Hello everyone, welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. We have reached the end of another season, and uh, as I promised last episode, we will make up for the <laughs> the short and completely off the rails uh, preview we did last time, and talk about the end of the, uh, god what is this, spring 2021 season? What a season, what a season. There was a there was a lot of good shows this season. A lot of things that we were watching. Uh, a lot is of things. The, that... Is this the best single season like we've had in a very long time? Yes. I think I... in terms of like new number of good shows. Yeah. Like. Um. Um. I, I will admit I don't have a very good memory, but I will That's say fair. for for my memory, like this is the best single season of anime I think I have watched in. Probably years. I, I can't think of another time where I have mm-hmm. just like thoroughly enjoyed just about basically everything I've watched in, in yeah. a single season. It's legitimately very impressive. All right. Well, you know, this is the this is pretty much our last opportunity to talk about a lot of these. So yeah. now's the time to empty the tank. Exactly. Oh boy. Put it all out in the so, field. So uh, before we get started, let me introduce everybody. I'm Jell. I'm joined by Iroh. I'm still here. Not dead yet. Uh, we're joined by G. What's good, everybody? And for the first time, we're joined by Peter. I, you all right? The uh, newest member of the Glorio crew here. Although you have uh, way more on-air ex- experience than any of us, I'm pretty sure, at this point. But uh, like, uh, how long have you been doing your radio show? Uh, about 11, 12 years now. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a <laughs> that's a lot more on air time than us for sure. But yes. one might call that uh, venerable, you know, yes. <laughs> an institution. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, we're we're glad to have you joining on here, and uh, we're going to talk about some anime. Indeed, uh, good. So um, we got a lot to cover. Let's oh, just start diving into it. We sure do. I'm gonna. Make us uh, eat our vegetables before we get mm. to dessert uh, here. Start with a showstopper. Uh, yum, yum. And, yum, uh, yum. <laughs> let, let's, let's talk about Back Arrow, which you guys Back, have somehow yes. managed Bakayaro. to. Uh, you guys have somehow managed to grind through both uh, both cores of here. We did it. This is... Yeah, we sure did. So what, what's... What's uh? What's the final? We haven't been really talking about back arrow week to week because I don't want to. The but fuck is uh-huh. this? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, <laughs> what, what's the final verdict? Uh, on back arrow. Says so what? A th- I would I would charitably say this is a three out of five show. Uh, and leave it at that with with some fun bits. That's and, some, high, and huh? some not fun bits. I would say that's charitable, considering we speak of shows like Majestic Prince as three out of five shows. Oh man, Majestic Prince was alright. Majestic Prince was, like, way better than Back Arrows. So. I mean, Majestic Prince has got to be a 3.5, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't do half stars, alright? Okay, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> okay. We don't do half stars, because if you do half stars, then you might as well just say 7 out of 10, right? Mm-hmm. But, um... Yeah, no, Back Arrow it was, like... I mean, consistent. It... Yeah. All right, I'll give it so, that. So, all right. First of all, tell me, tell me what? How did how did they wrap this up? Because they fought past the wall. All right. Or yes, they. Uh, it was revealed that uh, the weird uh, fat man who juices up with wine as if it's some kind of bane venom uh, revealed his true power, became thin, 
and revealed that he is the the agent of God here to harvest all of uh, all of Lingaland, everything within the walls. Uh, so everyone says, nah, and uh, joins together to fight God. So going forward, I'm going to, this is not very fair to this show, but I'm going to be using a lot of Gurren Lagan analogies to explain. Mm. Oh like, no, again, what... we, we established it's fair because of the, the writer. Yeah, and, so yes. basically to establish what Back Arrow is doing. And then using the Gurren Lagan analogy to explain what Back Arrow did so horribly wrong in comparison. So, like... <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, basically, yeah, the long and short of it is that Back Arrow, Baka Yoro, is basically the Nia of this show. He is, like... Right. He is, like, the Herald, the Silver Surfer, who has been sent by the Anti-Spiral equivalent to kind of herald the destruction of, of Lingaland, of, of mankind. Um... He doesn't want to do that, though. So, like, the heroes band together to basically snap him out of it and, you know, come back to normal and all this stuff. And, you know, Master Asia, King Master Asia shows up and uh-huh. does a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and, yeah, it's just, like, it's it's very, like, I can't believe I'm saying this about a show written by Nakashima, but it's, it's, like, it's like, very paint-by-numbers and not in a particularly impressive way. Like mm-hmm. just phone this one in, basically. It kind of feels oh, yeah. like that. Like he's kind of just going through the motions of what a Nakashima mecha anime is supposed to be, and like it's all done with such a like drab presentation and execution. It's just hard to cheer for any of it. Like like that's kind of just the yeah. pervasive theme across all of the final four episodes. It's just like, oh, this would have been really cool if it had been I don't know directed by Hiroyuki Amaishi instead. <laughs> It's you like know. when the freaking giant dreadnoughts are literally combining so that they can punch God in the face, and I'm like, I should be way more excited about this. And it's like the <laughs> most weakest limp-wristed punch, like right. punch I mean, that, God has ever received. Is that is that a case of like they did not do the proper work to invest you beforehand, so that when the moment happens, you don't really care? I think that kind of is a lot of it because, like, here's the thing. As much as I love really high production values and impressive animation, like, I can be impressed by something exclusively by its narrative context. You know, if you, you know, I I have often mentioned this concept in relation to, you know, professional wrestling uh, (laughs) as it comes to anime is that billing is very important in anime. Like, how you sell the characters, how you build up the fights, the anticipation, like... And Back Arrow just never really does it. It never, like, despite the fact that they are literally going to fight God. Again, like, this this is a very Gurren Lagan-esque escalation. I'm just not that excited. Yeah. Like, their God is just not a very impressive individual. (laughs) Right. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, if you don't like like the cast and, you know, you don't like the, yeah, I mean, it's... Right. Like, what what are we fighting for, right? And, uh, yeah... So, I mean, in the most dull way possible, everyone teams up and they f- fight God. They kill, defeat oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Was actually, so fake, fake yeah. China teams up with fake Europe. And- yeah, uh-huh. basically. And, like, in a very, like, almost, like, 13 Sentinels-esque, like, turn of events, <laughs> like, basically they reveal that the whole world of Back Arrow basically takes place in the Matrix, except what if the Matrix was on a, like eternal colony ship designed to right. uh, protect and transport the last remnants of the human race. 
this is getting worse the more you describe it. But yeah. right, except the... all the human race died except for one baby. Uh-huh. So God. the so ship the... Yep. AI puts the baby into eternal stasis, but the baby has to be fed through the like will willpower of all of the beings in the world live oh, God. in in the matrix uh-huh. and yep. that's why god is doing what he does and it's like here's the thing right like again to compare to Gurren Lagon what was the anti spirals motivation the anti spirals motivation was essentially that spiral power left unchecked would lead to basically the heat death of the universe right that spiral uh-huh. power is the power of entropy it is the power of moving forward it would lead right? to the big crunch Exactly, and thus the anti-spirals had to position themselves as the antithesis of that, right? The ultimate stasis, the ultimate stagnation, so as to prevent mankind from moving forward. Yep. As simple as that is, and, and, and that's the thing, I'm, I'm describing this as, as in very heady terms, but realistically what this means is that the anti-spiral <laughs> grows into a big robot that looks evil compared to Gurren Lagann. Yeah. That's the thing, right? Like... You don't right. necessarily need to move heaven and earth to create a compelling conflict. The enemy can literally just be, I'm bad, you, but mean. mean. Yeah. Yeah. And that can work if you put in the work setting up the, the stakes and the escalation and the characters. And Batgirl does none of that. And so as a result, despite the fact that like Nakashima is in fact utilizing many of the similar tricks that he used in Gurren Lagann... Uh, Back Arrow just doesn't have any of the energy, none of the none of the flair, none of the spectacle. So, how, how much blame are you putting on Nakashima versus uh, blame on Goro Tanaguchi here? Hmm. I'm begin. Goro Tanaguchi has directed some good things in the past. Like that's yeah. the problem. Is like I can't just throw this all at him because he has done some great work, but. I don't know. I just don't think he was the right fit for Nakashima's like kind of madcap off the wall style. Is yeah. it just like is it just like they both like liked each other's work and wanted to work together, but once they actually came together it was like <laughs> oh, this did not They didn't actually have that much chemistry, maybe. Right. Like Yeah, I wonder. Um Yeah. Well, that's disappointing, I guess. Yep. Uh, although I, not entirely unexpected, given no, no, this really, is like right. over the course of <laughs> basically, basically always saw coming. I think. Right, so that is why I say back arrow is nothing if consistent, and yeah, I think that's the thing. Is like I know some people who are like really rallying behind back arrow. I know a lot of people who are like, oh, back arrow is like the is the dark horse like mecha anime you've all been sleeping on, and it's like no, look as as the Glorio chats like you know. Uh, host like grumpy mecha fan let me tell you like this is this, this ain't the one <laughs> like it, it it might be a drought i'm still not gonna drink out of a toilet like <laughs> how many of those people have watched grand Bellum? right exactly all the, you know yeah all these people oh you're all <laughs> sleeping on back arrow it's such an underrated je- fuck you go watch grand Bellum. Grand Bell, where, where, where were you? Where were you when Grand Bell sold like 160 BD copies, huh? Like, like where were you Oof. people when Grand Bell was getting ignored by by every like fucking like uh, a critical fucking anime news blog or whatever? Like, yeah. where were you all when Anafugo did nothing <laughs> wrong? Yeah, oh, I feel like man. people supporting Back Arrow are like just like seeing it for the show they want to see and not what it actually is because like on paper it sounds like oh yeah on paper, or just like the uh the small cabal of like Gorotaniguchi fans right 
Um, People who think Active Raid uh, and ID Zero were super good. Yeah, well, um, having not seen any of those, I guess I can't uh, speak to that. But yeah, um, well, shout outs to Planets. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give uh, one last final shout out to uh, just go watch Gun X Sword and. Uh, we can be done with back. We really arrow, should have done that instead of back arrow. Gear, <laughs> I can't, really, I've, I've told you guys yeah, so many times. We really should have just watched Gun X Sword instead. So, All right, uh, maybe next season. Well, we can say goodbye to that one, yep. and let's See talk you. about something good. Oh yeah, yeah, here we go. Let's talk about uh, Vivi Fluorite Eyes song, which we now have know what that means, I guess. Yeah. Uh, since we last left off, uh, oh God, when was the last time we talked about? It? I guess they. I guess the I last they had just done. They had just. They they had just done the the, the final time skip. With I think, uh, did Vivi or had she already written her song by the? Uh, I, I think, think I, I think yes yes the last time yeah we I left think that's off, about she, where she, we left off. She wakes where, up in the last episode and right. everything's gone to shit. The the last thing we saw was. Uh, the, all the robots singing her song. Yes. Which yes. Still an amazing uh, stinger <laughs> yeah. at the end of an episode. So I guess before we get into details, uh, overall I thought the ending was good, and this is kind of this is gonna be a theme for me on I think on this season where I don't feel like any of the the endings were bad, but I was not particularly like blown away by I... any of them either. Um. I will say I will give Vivi credit for not taking the worst possible route that I thought it was going to take, which was to pull the Avengers Endgame, go back in time to different points, and uh, mm. redo mm. The whole, uh, all the whole the, timeline. Yeah, and then end up like saving all the people that died, and like right. like they they actually committed to no the no, robot like apocalypse they, happened. Yeah. Like they, and, they're fairly committed to the idea that. It is too late for Vivi to, like, prevent the apocalypse. All she can right. do now is mitigate it. Uh, I, 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 I come away stronger on, on the Vivi ending. I know it's, a, it, yeah, I know it's somewhat a... controversial. I know some people have not enjoyed kind of its final yeah. its final choice. But I, I think that, like, I will agree. That I think the last episode is fairly predictable because... Just for context, you know, since this is a... We are doing our recap. Like, the penultimate episode has Vivi and uh, the moderate, like, faction of Toek kind of launching this, like, kind of final... <laughs> in a very near Automata-esque manner, launching their final assault on the big AI tower right. uh, to try to deactivate um, uh, Archive. So they reveal that Archive, the sort of, like, pervasive AI, like, cloud storage solution of the future has been angling for the destruction of mankind this whole time. Big and shocker. I, I, I actually think this is a fairly effective twist, if somewhat predictable, because, like, Vivian and Matsumoto have been talking about this whole singular point plan this whole time in Archive. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and it's very much right, like they, yeah. they intentionally, like, position Archive as such a, like, passive Honesty, background yeah. element of the, like, story that it's like the equivalent of like discussing your plans for terrorism in a discord chat you know it's just <laughs> right. like you you sort of forget that oh wait this is technically like right a a you do not own this server this is right a, uh, exactly yes. so like for for archive to essentially reveal that actually the second you started talking about the singularity project or or whatever like i have known about the next 100 years and i've been able to like 
adjust it accordingly to counteract all of your actions. So I, I thought that right. was actually pretty good. And Archive has no qualms about, unlike Matsumoto, who only wants to show up at the most important junction points, Archive has no issue nudging things during the all the rest time. of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and uh. so... The penultimate episode is kind of them launching that assault and then it failing, right? It falls apart, it all goes bad, and basically Vivi realizes she needs to be sent back in time one more time, but this time only three days into the past. Mainly right. so she can just sort of redo the, the final events of the story. And I, I like that they frame that as this is your actual last shot. We can't just time loop this. You right. know, we can't round hog day right. with this one. Right. This is not a stable time loop. They explicitly leave the original Dr. Matsumoto to die in the final loop so that there is no going back, but this does give Vivi enough time to rescue uh, the Toak moderates who are being attacked by the, uh, the, the you know, the, the rogue androids. Right. And, you know, the, the rest of the episode kind of plays out as you expect, right? It's the big epic finale. Vivi, you know, does her music number. Uh-huh. I, the title uh, drop. I have been, yep. been listening to the titular Eyes <laughs> song quite a bit over the last week. Uh, it's, a, it's a it's a good song. It's it's definitely one of those things of, like... It's definitely, like, I mean, that's it, the song's not mind-blowing, you know? It's, it's a, you know, it's a very decent, like, kind of pop track. Normal, yeah. But, like... It's definitely like the power of its narrative context elevates it to a whole new level of like, yeah. you know, like every part they get to the part of the song where I remember is also the part in the anime where Matsumoto is rushing in to stop the last uh, satellite from crushing Vivi. And yeah, like, I was getting oh, a lot man. of like, uh, <laughs> I was getting a lot of like Macross Do You Remember Love vibes Yeah, out of that. that's a very good analogy. Where, where it's like singing a pop song and in the background there's like intense action happening very intense things happening um, uh, shout outs to elizabeth again uh who <laughs> <laughs> yes gets a lot of work done in that last episode i mean we keep talking about the importance of building up to your your climax here and i feel like while that final moment is extremely predictable and kind of what we all figured was going to happen it's very effective because like when she's when she's singing her song and like falling apart and like all the the screens with her memories are popping up and everything, it's like, oh man, what a journey we've been on, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very, it's, it's very effective. But, it um, is very much the embodiment of Vivi's thesis that the heart is like, you know, your the the, the memories that you have experienced, right? Is the collections mm-hmm. of your life experiences, and that is kind of what makes you an individual. And I think that again somewhat predictable, you know, like, very, like, this is, like, you know, some, some of it Normal, is, like, admittedly yeah. fairly bog-standard, like, AI personhood sci-fi, but I think, again, like, performed very well. And with all that, like, I, I have my own thoughts on the very, very ending of the episode that I, I'd like to get into, but I'm, I'm kind of curious what your guys' thoughts on the, uh, the, the very the last was... scene. So we, are we talking, like, post-credits? Post-credits. After yes, like, Vivi is back? Yes, or... yes. Quote-unquote okay. Vivi's revival. Yes, I'm curious what you guys think about that. Because I know it's a somewhat controversial... It's, it's been a, become a bit of a contentious sticking point with some people. Uh, right. In um, the Vivi discourse. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, let me ask Peter, as someone who has not had a chance to talk about the show <laughs> on air yet. What, what, what did you think of the, uh, the ending? And I guess leading up to that final bit. Um, so... I, I kind of want to move back just a little bit, um, the like penultimate episode, because um, at the end of the like the episode before the final one, and we're like, 
Oh, I'll just go back in time a bit again. I that bit got me kind of angry because it was just like, oh, that just just kind of that whole episode was kind of a waste of time now. And I guess that was kind of the point, but also kind of not like um, I don't know. I was just like, yeah, it, was, it felt I, a bit of a cop out. Yeah, I I kind of I kind of agree because I I would I think I would have preferred like not leaning back on the time thing again, but. I, they did, like I said, I think they did balance it out a little bit by not, like, this is your last, this really is yeah, your last shot. Right. Yeah, I feel, well, I feel like again. they have to, if in a story where your original power is time travel, I think for the climax, they have to address on some level, why don't you just do it again if you, if it didn't work? Yeah, right. the killing of, of uh, Dr. Matsumoto is, was, as you said, very, very much a, right, this is your last chance no do-overs now and mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess that that makes sense um as for the very very ending it was like um i don't know i, I felt like they didn't need to do it <laughs> like um if, if they ended it at the at, at the end credits before the post credits bit that was it that like that would have been fine but now they've God, oh, Vivi's still alive. Uh, well, in some form, with short hair now, right. I, I guess. <laughs> yes, um, you you have to cut your hair after a major. Sell like, the uh, short hair mm-hmm. figures. Anime uh, rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, I guess it does open it up for more stuff in the future, but that that always rubs me up the wrong way because I'm like, you don't have to like sequel hook yourself. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, on the other side, it is a bit more feel good in that Phoebe's okay, Matsumoto's okay. Um, like, I, I, it, it, it's very mixed feelings, I guess. <laughs> to, to yeah, like. right. I, I think that is entirely fair. Um, in fact, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I, I th- that is definitely an aspect of the ending that I, I find myself, I think, in conversation with. And I think there's a re- for that reason, I think I do come out the other end a little bit more positive. But I, so so in a lot of ways, I think the ending of Vivi, um, I think to me, it very much gets a lot into the roots of like buddhism and its interaction with the concepts of life and death and more importantly like in a lot of ways thematically speaks to the part of the story that we kind of passed over which was the the diva incarnation during the antonio arc uh like in many ways that diva was also a new incarnation of uh, of vivi and kind of speaking to like the implications of that diva incarnation's personhood and like you know the, the 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 like the faint lingering traces of memory that she could like that she felt in her despite being an entirely new incarnation mm-hmm. right and so like essentially i think the reason why i like the ending is that it is bittersweet in fact i i i would not go as far as saying that like vivi coming back at the end is a convenient happy ending or even a sequel hook i think it is more it speaks to like for those of the for those uh, who are listening who have played uh, the game here <laughs> Um, essentially, we, we, we have to keep bringing it up because there's so many like parallel parallels, yeah. uh, essentially going on here. But yes. you know, essentially, the ending is that Vivi dies so that Vivi can live. Like, uh, you know, right. that Vivi that is alive at the end is not the original Vivi. 
And that is a tragic part, right? Is that the Vivi we knew, the Vivi that we spent so much time with, like, struggled so much and endured so much tragedy specifically to ensure that, like, there would be hope for the future. That even if she would not live to see that hopeful, better future, that maybe some form of her, some incarnation of her would be able to live a life like, in peace, right? Like, and there's no guarantee of that, of course, right? The ending very much seems to imply that, like, there is a pretty strong backlash against the AIs, right? Like, Elizabeth is sort of, like, <laughs> implied to be the last sort of, uh, the last of her people in a ways. Uh, but I, I do like it, right? Because, like, this new Vivi is a different character, you know? Uh, she is, in its essence, you know, a new incarnation, almost like the progeny of the original Vivi. And like progeny, she will retain some facets of that old personality, some lingering mannerisms and thoughts, but this is a whole new, you know, kind of like the time loop, right? This is a whole new chance for Vivi to live a life that she never got because of her, you know, chance crossing with Matsumoto. And... Framed in that way, I, I found myself pretty profoundly affected by it. I, I thought it was a I thought it was a strong finish, like thematically, to to the story that yeah. Vivi was trying to tell. I guess I, I was I guess I was um I wasn't really thinking about it from the perspective of the Vivi we know is as dead as D- Diva was at this point. Like this is a new a new person. Uh, which kind of puts a different spin on it. I, I was kind of more just in, indifferent on it because it felt just like a throwaway, you know, if, you, if you're not really looking at, if you're not really thinking about it, it does kind of feel like the throwaway, like Peter was saying, sort of, you know, tacked on thing. I, I get why I, people and, feel but, that way, but... But, but yeah, no, I think that makes a lot more sense, um, you know, as far as putting a putting in a bow on the the overall theme of you know what were we what were we fighting for in the first place right um could they have illustrated that in some other way without bringing vivi back i don't know but it, it works um iro did you have anything you wanted to add on that as far as uh, bit of it i yeah i was also under the impression that uh the final scene vivi was not the uh, vivi we had followed the during the show sort of like we made a a new version of her almost as a tribute slash quote-unquote reward uh, uh might not, not might not even be like might not even be the same body or anything right just right like just like we, we yeah of... we we you know we we quote-unquote rewarded the the hero by uh giving their new like by creating them anew and allowing them to live in the peaceful world or whatever right. like that sort of thing maybe like an ignorance is bliss the memories of the whole like struggle are gone and right. you get a fresh start yeah yeah again that's kind of why I mentioned like to me it very much feels like a show or an ending that is in conversation with the the concepts of reincarnation right this right. idea that rewarded in the next incar- uh, exactly right. yeah um well I'll say uh, if we're if we since we brought up the 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 sequel hook question, I do not want to see another. No, no, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I do not think Vivi needs a sequel. I don't no, think it should, uh, and that is why I don't see that ending as a sequel yeah. hook. But yeah, so you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily think it was either. But but if if that's even a question, we don't need a sequel to this. It was no. a great it was a great standalone series. The story has been told. 
Mm-hmm. No, this is I, this is like this I is the type of show that I live for. Like, <laughs> the one-off standalone twelve-episode original that yeah says everything it needs to, and then kind of ends gracefully. And, uh, and I hope ta- it stays that way. Talk about a surprise, though. Just like right, oh, yeah. for sure. None of us, like I, I mean, I didn't think it was. I mean, we really didn't know because we didn't really have a lot of information when it came out, and just it's arguably one of the you know well it's definitely one of the best shows this season you know <laughs> yeah. you could argue i i i debate whether it's actually even my favorite um just so many of the things that i love about anime are in this series you know yes. uh mm-hmm. the 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 sci-fi themes singing robots you know uh-huh, uh-huh. cool action scenes like there's yeah a lot going on um it- and I, it is definitely the show that I think for me largely succeeds on the back of its presentation and execution. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, it has a very, like, focused idea of the story it wanted to tell, and it largely achieved it, right? It's, it, it's I would say its ambitions were not as grand as the likes of, say, you know, um, a, a Dina Xenon or something. But yes. I think that by setting its focus at the appropriate level, I think it did largely manage to, to achieve almost all of its stated goals. Yes. And while it it does do in the the big picture things, it doesn't do anything particularly new. But I feel like in some of the details, it manages to carve out a lot of its own identity in you know how it, it's world building and things like that that make it give it sort of its own personality. Yeah. Um. And and just the the execution is top notch, and I I just love when you know like you said. Show has a goal, and it hits that goal, and exactly, like, <laughs> mission accomplished. It, so. uh, and, and also, you know, hey, also, uh, th- I think this is also be a pervasive theme of this uh, podcast in this season. Um, shout out to the cool AI buddies, you know, a shout out to Matsumoto <laughs> who who yes. really came around in the end. I, uh, I, I yeah, think that some, was, I, I think some people were disappointed that Matsumoto did not end up becoming the villain, but I kind of yeah. like that by the end there, it's like, you, you become truly assured that, no, Matsumoto is a friend. Matsumoto mm-hmm. is an ally, and... Uh, I, I think it was... I think I think it's arguably more interesting the route they went going from someone who was more antagonistic in the first couple episodes to, you know, developing into... Because it's not just Vivi that learns things throughout this journey. Matsumoto does as well. Oh, totally, yeah. We see that by the end. So, um, yeah, and and I think tying it into the the real-life doctor and everything was a nice twist that reinforced that. Yeah, shout-outs to that cube. Matsumoto, the... Am I going to say this? The second-best AI buddy of this season. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who, who are we calling the first? We'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, okay. I was going to make a companion cube joke, but I no, can't think of it. No, let's not. How about we don't? Yeah, that's that's real relevant in 2021, I'm sure. Matsumoto uh, is a far better robot cube than than any other robot <laughs> cube I've seen. Do, 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 the, do the kids these days even remember what the companion cube was? I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, all right. Great <sighs> show. Let's yeah. move along. Oh, this and... is the big one for me. <laughs> oh, this is this is going to be the big one. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Megalobox 2 Nomad. This is finished, right? Yep. It, we we, have, watched, we it. watched it, what, an hour ago? About an hour like, ago? Two hours hour ago, before yeah. The, uh, before so recording. This is, this is still pretty fresh, so of course, to everybody listening, there might be a little Oof. bit of recency bias here, but... So I, Dude, the, 
the ending was good. It was Nomad, good. They delivered. Nomad's good. Dude, Nomad is great. Like, I... Jell, I know you watched, like, a little bit of season one and fell off it. I... Even if you didn't finish it, I think... I think it may be worth checking out season two. Like, like just jump into Nomad. Like... They, I will say do. the the things that you've been talking about all season, the the story ideas and themes and things, sound way more interesting to me than what I was think, going on in I season think you one. Should, I think you should check out Nomad if you have the time because it is spoilers. I mean, they stick the landing. Is they, this is this the rare sequel? Better is better. Yes, yes. <laughs> Nomad is in every way the superior sequel. Uh, um, okay, okay. So so here's my like here's my fucking back of the box quote, but. Like, Megalobox 2 Nomad is, like, the most wholly uncompromised work of the year. Uh, it it has a distinct message, hell, a thesis <laughs> about, like, the story it wants to tell, and it never once deviates from that path. Like, I... So, to give some context, there was an interview with the director, Yo Moriyama, along with uh, screenwriters Katsuhiko Manabe and Kensaku Kojima, about kind of the inspirations mm-hmm. and the uh, the actual sociopolitics of what inspired Nomad. And right. one of their primary talking points was about how the original Ashita no Jo was this hot-blooded tragedy about dying in a blaze of glory. And right. sort of how it was explicitly an embodiment of toxic masculinity. And how with Nomad, they wanted to tell a story that was in conversation with the original but also one that intentionally contrasts itself with the original. And so, this all comes to a head in Nomad's core message, which is basically that the only way to escape the cycle of violence and toxic masculinity is to make the conscientious decision to basically stop playing the game entirely. And that's exactly what Nomad does. So, does Joe not have a lot, one big last fight? He does and he doesn't. Okay. So, to give some context, the final few episodes of Nomad has been about Joe reconciling with his found family, mm-hmm. making good with the people he left behind all those years ago, and kind of achieving a new level of self-actualization that the original Joe never came close to achieving. In contrast, we are introduced to the deuteragonist, um, Mac. Mac, Mac Time Rosario, the sort of people's hero. Um, right, the like new rising star in Megalo Boxing who, you know, was paralyzed, saving children from a fire. and Right, we talked about him last time, yeah. All that. Um, uh, and His title is the public hero. <laughs> the, the people's champ. Yep. Yes, quite literally. And uh, how he, how the experimental tech that allowed him to return to boxing is... Uh, also quite dangerous to his brain and and such and he goes through his own arc of like wrangling with that uh simultaneous with joe's journey and it's like really effective because even though matt gets less screen time like the penultimate epic like yeah the penultimate like so here's the thing the last four episodes of nomad are maybe some of the strongest like self-contained like fiction i have watched in years (laughs) um so so like the last, like, so, like, episodes, like, um, what would the equivalent be? What was it? Nine and ten? Yeah. So, or, or ten, eleven. Ten and eleven are basically about Joe's self-actualization. There's this wonderful moment where, like, 
so yeah, that interview, right? It's a that, that interview with Yo Moriyama is a fantastic interview. I highly, it's on Anime News Network. I highly recommend people read it because it really I'll, speaks I'll to just li- like I'll how it, in the notes. it just speaks to how thoughtful the creators were about this show about dudes punching each other to death. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and and like it's easy to say all this stuff in an interview. It's much harder to, for me to believe. Do you actually mean it? Will you actually commit to it in the show? No man mm-hmm. does. There's literally a moment in episode like nine or something or ten, where like Joe is at the grave of of Nanbu and he's confronted by um, Aragami, one one of the guys he fought with in season one. Yeah. And Aragami basically becomes like the voice of the audience, where he quizzes. <laughs> so what Joe. did you learn? Right. He quizzes Joe on all of the themes of the show to make sure that Joe has actually internalized it. Right. <laughs> like Aragami's like, so what did you learn, Joe? If you fight again, are you going to fight for the right reasons? <laughs> like, you know, will you run away again? You won't, right? And right. Joe and, answers in the affirmative to each and every single question. Right. To to obliterate any doubt we might have had in his career. We were able to have the scene where Joe says, actually, I did f- completely fuck up everything for completely selfish reasons. And even though I'm going to go back to the boxing ring... Because this is a boxing show and we need a climactic fight. I'm doing it for the right reasons. Yes. It's, uh, it's and not a, for the self-destructive machismo of uh, season one. It's magnificent. You have a protagonist who literally looks in the camera and admits <laughs> he did everything wrong. And he takes full responsibility for it. It's Wow. It's, so we're, when we're talking about this as the counterpoint to the original Ashton Joe, and we were worried they weren't going to commit to it, they... Not only committed to it, they doubled down and... Uh... They do. They do. It's magnificent. I And so, like, Joe has basically already achieved his emotional and character climax by episode 11. Right. Right. So then episode 12 is all about Ugh. Mac. Right. And, um... And how Mac... Mac wants to do this match as well. And... Go ahead. <laughs> and, and Mac is in many ways intentionally positioned as Joe of season one. He wants this fight because that's what fighters do, right? But his right. life is falling apart because the best chip in his brain is making him increasingly unstable. It's very intentionally designed to sort of be like a sci-fi analogy for like PTSD because like loud noises like trigger his like fight or flight mm-hmm. responses. Like or being in he, danger, right? Like he he grows increasingly violent and like protective over like resources that he perceives to be limited, like. He's dangerous. He is dangerous to his loved ones. And this all comes to a very, like, uh, kind of sort of uh, uh, traumatic head, you know, when he almost, like, harms his own child. And he kind of, like, runs away from it, goes on a goes on a bender, starts drinking in the streets like Joe was at the beginning of Season 2. But then he himself is also sort of saved by those around him. Uh, his old his old buddy, his, old, his partner from when he was in the police, finds him and kind of helps Mac remember, like, what he fought for. We we are given a flashback where it reveals that Mac was also an immigrant, like chief, uh, you know, who came to uh came to this country, you know, like and had to struggle to find his place in the world and 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 found his place through through love, through relationships with the people he cared about. And so, by the end of the penultimate episode, <laughs> Mac has also reached self actualization <laughs> and has achieved a sort of like peace of mind and clarity to his convictions. Right. We can go into the final punch fight, final boxing match here, where there's not necessarily anything, like, on the line for for winning or losing to the point where they need to really push themselves. They just 
both want to fight each other out of mutual respect for another boxer. Conversation it's, with fists. Uh-huh. It's it's wonderful. I the penultimate episode might actually it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and then the final episode, the fight actually happens, and the fight's okay. It's a good fight, you know. Like there's the the, the original Megalobox theme from season one plays. Yeah. Like like Joe and Mac are fighting, and but but the really like fun like beautiful thing about the whole fight is like yes, it's a boxing match. It might also be the most holistically ethical boxing match I've maybe ever seen in my life because both corners are constantly checking like, okay, how are you feeling? Like emotionally, how are you doing? Are you feeling okay? Do you right, feel it's good? like we we will like, we will, brain we will call okay? this thing we will call this thing at the first sign and so of uh, that's right. and that's what happened. Right, like Joe in the tenth episode has a heart to heart with Sachio, the one who was the most like reticent to make up with Joe, and is, and Joe's like, I fucked up, man. But I need you. Like, like, I don't trust anyone else more in the world to protect me than you, Sachio. I need you in my corner. And so Sachio says, like, the first whiff I get of your self-destructive tendencies, the first hint that you are enjoying this for the sake of the bloodlust, for the sake of the fight itself, I will throw the towel. And Joe is completely okay with it. He's like, yes, good, I need that. Because Joe recognizes, like, as much as he's improved over the season... Joe is still that junk dog from season one. Right. He can't help it. He likes the fight. He likes the thrill of the violence. Right. And some people can't just, just can't help it, right? You like, can't just flip a switch and make that no. go away, right? So yeah, what so. you can do, however, is surround yourself with a safety <laughs> net, with a support net of people who will be there to pull you out of it when it happens. And that's exactly what happens. Just as the fight is reaching a crescendo, just as Joe is getting that manic grin on his face again because he's bleeding and getting the shit beat out of him and he's remembering this is what he lives for, Sachio throws the towel and ends the fight. Yep. Like before can get, before can uh, quote unquote get really going. Uh right. And thus huh. both yeah, Joe and Mac get to live to see the end. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. And Infamously original Ashino Joe. Joe dies at the end having burned <laughs> burned himself out basically. Right to win the fight. And that's like the really it's it is anticlimactic. Like I won't lie, I felt a pang of like you know, like, disappointment in my stomach. I was like, oh, man, this fight was just about to get good. And then I, like, take a step back and realize that's exactly what they wanted me to feel. Right. Because, like, yes, I, the audience, am disappointed I didn't get my fight. Like, who the fuck am I to be disappointed that these two these two people didn't kill each other? Like, yep. they get to live. They get to spend the rest of their lives with their family and friends because they didn't fucking kill each other for my enjoyment. And that's, like, a really wonderful, beautiful realization to come to is that, like, Everything about the penultimate episode was setting up like, if this fight goes through, one of these people is going to drop dead. Like, right. and and this whole the whole last week, I was thinking in my head. I thought for hours, how would I write a way for Nomad to end with both of these people living? And I couldn't come up with one. Right? Like, there was too much like at stake. There was too much like baggage for both both characters. Right? Mac is unstable because of the best chip. Joe has had years of drug abuse, like slowly deteriorating his deteriorating his body. Like there was no way if these men decided to go all the way to the finish, one of them was going to die in the process. And I couldn't think of a way out. And it really speaks to like how my own perception as a as a member of the audience got wrapped up in the in the constrictions of what the boxing genre the fighting genre is known for that i couldn't think of the most obvious solution <laughs> right. of all, they, they, which they is, just stopped the fight maybe right. they just stopped the fight 
And like it, it, it actually is maybe legitimately one of the biggest twists of the season. It's it threw me for such a loop, but in such a good way. Like, and it is thematically perfect, right? This whole season has been about like the meaning of pride and what pride actually means. And if pride is even a worthwhile concept to hold on to when like, there are so many like better things in life to live for loved ones, your family, the community you, 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 you are a part of. And I, I'd said all season. Yeah, but they're also going to punch each other because it's Megalobox, right? <laughs> and this is what I mean when I say Nomad is the most uncompromised work of the season because no, Yo Moriyama said, that's not what the story is about. And so I'm going to make sure that even the ending stays true to the thesis that I have written for this whole show. It's that's that's really impressive. It really is. <laughs> I, I like like yes. On some level, it is a little of an anticlimactic finish, but like thematically, narratively, like right, oh so yeah, not at all do, from that yeah. perspective. We, right, we yeah. like look. I love a lot of the shows that have aired this season, and like maybe some of them overall on average might rise above but in terms of last episode i think nomad is the best i think it 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 has finished the strongest of any show i've watched this season this is like the uh like when we had akudama drive finish real strong (laughs) yeah you know that might have not been the most consistent uh show that ending was so good uh yes that's that is how i feel about nomad it's it's unbelievable i'm like (laughs) i am so impressed by by what nomad has done it's yeah, well, I mean, like I said, going into this, the the shows that because I didn't watch Megalo Box and the the shows that we all watched uh, that are overlapping, I wasn't blown away by the endings. They were good, but like I didn't, I, I you know, there's nothing I'm gonna have the enthusiasm for that you have the enthusiasm for Megalo Box right now. Like, and mm. it makes a big difference your your last impression. <laughs> yeah, it, it it does. Makes, I makes a big difference. And it means a lot. I, I, I think that, like... And, and that's a thing. As this season, or as this year goes on, as we approach the end of the year, I think that feeling is only going to grow, grow stronger. Because eventually, my disappointment at the anti-climax of the fight will fade away, and what will stay there is the memory of, like... Nomad pull- earned its happy ending. Like, that's right. a thing. It doesn't feel like a cop-out. Like, that that's a thing. Like, if you want to compare this to Vivi, both Joe and Mac living doesn't feel like a cop-out. They earned it. They spent like six episodes developing these two characters so that when in the end like they both get to live and like enjoy the rest of their lives it feels like this show has truly earned it and i think that's going to stick with me like for a very long time right uh yeah and and end of year uh anime debates are going to be uh oh. tough this year oh but, yeah uh... <laughs> yeah and, and of course shout out to maba Noir's ost again his soundtrack uh much heavier like spanish influence this time around but like very good very yeah. good like like I, I, as always right it doesn't even need to be said but like of course the presentation of megalobox continues to be spotless there are a couple moments in these, like, this last run of episodes. Like, there's one episode specifically that is, it's almost funny how many musical drops it gets. <laughs> and, like, but all the musical drops are not for, like, big fights. They're all for, like, emotional really yeah. wholesome, emotional, like, realizations for the characters. So, like, it's a character, like, realizing, like, oh, I don't have to engage in this toxic cycle of violence. And then you hear the bop, bop, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good. It's like really, it's it's such a fun use of like the the soundtrack, but uh, 
All right. Ugh, what a show. I I'm oh. over the moon with it. I, I'm, I'm I, glad I'm glad they pulled that off. You know, like like we said in the beginning. You know, when you when you go into sequel territory, it gets dangerous, right? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. And we were not sure. You guys were not sure where this was going to go or what. And uh, it, it's oh, I'm always glad to hear when they you know make the sequel into its own thing or in rare cases even something better rather yeah, than just kind of is... rehashing you know what they already did and yeah. it sounds it, like it, that was it, the case it is the most unnecessary sequel that has ever proved itself over the course <laughs> of its 13 episodes <laughs> all right well let's move along i'm gonna get my super cub minute in here all right let's do it so this is finished right yes so super cub has finished uh they made some questionable choices in the oh. final arc. Oh dear! I I have. They might have gone too far with the uh, the Super Cub worship. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh oh! Too far in the final stretch. You telling me the show that has constantly been about like looking the viewer in the eye and saying this can only be done with a Super Cub? Okay, went so too far. So the entire second half of the series has been about the girls trying to figure out how they can keep riding in winter. Okay. okay. So, like, basically, the main villain of the show is cold. Um, uh, and so every episode, winter at it again. Yeah every 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 episode is like them like trying to find some new piece of equipment or something that's going to mitigate them being freezing while they're riding their bikes. And more specifically, in the last couple episodes, I think last time I had mentioned they meet the third girl, who's the student council president. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm ex- I was, I've been expecting her to join the group and get her own Super Cub because she's in the OP from Episode 1 with a Super Cub. And uh, it doesn't happen until the very final scene of the series. Huh. Uh, instead, they kind of go on this dramatic arc where... How would I put it? They need to make her feel inferior enough <laughs> to the what? girls that have Super Cubs. Wait to shame her uh, oh, into like like, <laughs> like, like, like like FOMO like 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 if you so, had a super cub you could come with us yeah oh, and, it, but they they do this in the most like serious dramatic way possible okay so so the this so after the I think I talked about last time they they do the big school festival thing that's how they meet the the, the class president mm-hmm. uh, she's the class president not student council president class president. I need to be more specific on that. But oh, of uh, course. the so so the the class prez is like so impressed by them that she wants to like hang out with them and everything after this. And so they kind they kind of get to know each other a bit and and the class president has, you know, this completely inferior and quite frankly pathetic regular bicycle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what and and the, the girls on the super cub kind of like pity her as they see her you know oh riding to the store on her on her regular bicycle or whatever let's drive past her and oh. flip her no off. i mean they're not they're not mean about it they're just no, like they, they almost like, like feel like bad patronizing for her like, oh right my God, that's... and um so this this comes this like culminates to this extremely dramatic episode where the class president decides like First of all, her dad explicitly tells the other girls, like, yeah, I think she's trying to be just like you, riding her bike all the time now. And um, this culminates in 
she decides to go out to the store like in the middle of the night in like the dead of winter and she gets into an accident where she falls into the river okay and rather than like calling an ambulance or calling what? her parents or whoever Call she calls this girl cub. who's like she calls this girl who like I'll point out they're not even really they're like friendly acquaintances uh-huh. oh, she calls this girl who's like uh, like a friendly acquaintance for help because she has a super cub and um the 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 main girl comes out to rescue her and like she's like no we don't need to call an ambulance or the fire department i have a super cub <laughs> no, uh, no lie to the world no you're not Red you're not hurt i'm just going to take you back like, like like she's visibly hurt she's like holding her shoulder and stuff she's like nah you don't need to go to the hospital i'm just going to carry you back in my super cub she like sticks her in her basket on the front of her super <laughs> cub and and brings her home. She's like, yeah, just take a bath and you can sleep it off. God and devil are nothing in the face mm, of a super cub. cub. And, yeah. and like 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 every like the main girl has at this point lost all agency. Like she she gives all praise to the super cub when she does anything <laughs> good. Like the, the the girl is like thanking her for helping her, and she's like, it wasn't thank me. me. Thank the super cub. Oh, like, so are you telling me this girl's personality has been subsumed by her <laughs> eldritch super cub? Yes, basically, like, she's like a super uh, cub warlock at this point. Oh, um, so, oh, <laughs> uh, Christ! So, so like, so like, she she brings the girl home, and, and like, and you know, she's like, go ahead, you can stay here and sleep it off, and. The, the 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 class president gives this like tearful speech about you know wow how she, she hates the winter and you have to just make it go away and all this and the and and the, the main girl's like that's one thing my super cub can't do <laughs> um and uh yeah so <laughs> that happened and so, uh... And so they they kind of uh, you know after they kind of skip a little bit ahead and they're like well spring's coming let's go let's go see the cherry blossoms and they decide to just end the the episode on like twenty minutes of the girls driving through Japan which was actually pretty good it was I mean like, all right yeah it was like it was like you know pure uncut one hundred percent like fun slice of life in the final episode but. <laughs> They they tie the whole thing together at the very end when she's like, uh, the main girl is talking to her other friend, and her other friend's like, I'm surprised you agreed to go on this trip, because it was like a multi-day trip driving across Japan. They want to go to, like, the furthest point where they can see cherry blossoms uh, at, like, the end of, one end of Japan. I forget which direction they go in, but, uh, and uh, the main girl kind of wraps up. She's like, well, she she tells the other girl about what, the, the 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 class prez's uh tearful speech and everything she's like at first i was like well no i can't uh i can't make winter go away with my super cub but then i thought maybe i could and that's why they went on this trip <laughs> t- to go see the cherry blossoms cuz her her super cub can even you know make the seasons change and uh that's kind of where they end it but uh yeah i feel like they went a little too far with it that's all i'm saying yeah uh but overall I still very much enjoyed the series. I was I was very much surprised uh, how, you know. Again, we talk about taking a simple pre- premise but just executing on it well. Right. You know, this could have been just another school club show with cute you know, girls cute doing girls, cute things, cute girls riding motorcycles, uh-huh. cake or whatever. Could have been Bakuan. 
Well, Bach one exists in its own, one's its own weird shit post on the show. Category. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know, it could have been I mean I could probably uh I can't remember mm. the name of them but there's at least two other like cycling shows with cute girls that I ended up Oh, yeah, I believe at some you. Point. Um there's so many I'm trying to remember the name there was you. one where like the girl actually forgot how to ride a bicycle which you know i watched long that's... riders if they, that might be yes i think it was long riders yeah where she forgot to she forgot how to ride a bicycle in the beginning uh but uh <laughs> okay yeah but no th- but this was just very well executed i liked i really liked the characters and how they developed over time even if they went a little too far in the final couple episodes mm-hmm. you know the main girl went from you know this you know quiet person that felt like she had nothing going on in her life and by the end she's like a pretty strong character like at the end Mm -hmm. and um i mean i think i think there is a message to be said about like the first time a teenager gets their hands on a vehicle and like the freedom it offers yeah you know there's definitely that um like i mean this might be like a uniquely like well like you know, American concept, right? But, like, most teenagers will eventually, you know, get a car of some kind, right? And it's, like, kind of like the, the newfound, like, oh, I could just, like... I can just I I can just go. Right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't... You know, if I... <laughs> it's... it's I, I, think, I think that could be a fun theme. I think using a vehicle to represent that is... Uh, like, yes, it's a commercial, but also I think that, like, the way you describe it, Jill, it sounds like they were pretty, like, sincere about that being, like one of the key aspects of, of the story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- there is, there is an actual, like, there are actual like thematic elements and character development going on outside of, you know, being the Honda super cub commercial. So, <laughs> um, there's plenty of that. And, and when that comes up, I just find that hilarious. So, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, that was so, a good one. Uh, so Jill, you, uh, you gonna buy a, get yourself a super cub or what? I mean, what, I don't know that, that her, her friend's hunter cub looks pretty cool. I don't know. Uh, I did Google these cubs. I was like, all right, I got it. I got to see what's going on here. It's like when, when her friend gets the, the cool hunter cub, um, I was like, all right, I, I could see myself riding that. Uh, yeah. The hunter I'd, cub. I was like, okay, that's, that's like, that's kind of like, that's like, that's like halfway towards being a proper bike. I, I could, uh, yeah. I mean, I for me, like, I, I don't want like a big fast motorcycle. Like I just, right. I would just want something, you know, riding around town or whatever. So who knows? Maybe the commercial worked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the much more expensive version of Gundam build fighters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what is your life total uh, gun play costs? Uh, not, I will say it's, it's, it's not a number I want to say here, but I, was, I say I'm pretty sure it's still smaller than the price okay. of a new Super Cubs. So. Okay. Lifetime? Yeah, I'd, st- I'd still say so, yes. <laughs> you got to be getting close, right? <laughs> let's not talk about it. <laughs> All right. All right. We need to move on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, 86-86. 86-86. Yeah. You guys toughed this one out, too. Uh, we sure did. We sure did. Did, did, uh, did, uh, did the white savior end racism? Or uh, what happened? So, no. So, <laughs> okay. That's actually the probably the more interesting part of it is no, she God. did not. Uh, I, I'm, I'm like looking at this show and I'm like, if I tweaked this, this, and this, I would be really satisfied with this show. <laughs> 86 is like... So, I, I don't know if I actually said this on the podcast, but 86's individual parts are greater than the sum of its whole. Yeah. Like, each individual piece of 86 is actually remarkably well done. 
The problem is it all comes together into something that's just not very compelling yeah. or interesting. Um, I, I think that, like, even with its ending, I like its ending yeah. in theory. Yep. Like, Agreed. It, it doesn't end with them ending racism. They don't even stop the bad guys. Like, the 86ers go through with their hopeless suicide mission, and then it is implied that they die, you know, in a, in a, in a blaze of glory. I mean, so, spoilers, I don't think that's actually what happens. I'm pretty sure that at least Shin is still alive. Season 2 has been confirmed. Especially because Season 2 has been announced. Oh, so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I bet... Look, I bet the rest I, the rest of the 86ers... Yeah, I bet they're dead. But him, right. like, the main character, like, he's definitely The last fine. episode is just the commander, like, visiting the battlefield, going to their is, old is, headquarters, and, like... Is, is, is that guy the one that keep surviving through them yeah yeah, yeah like they, they i remember them mentioning that in the beginning you know the the, the, gr- the grim the, the grim reaper archetype in in, in military uh-huh, fiction uh-huh. right the sole survivor of every squad right so yeah he's definitely still alive oh yeah for sure yeah. but like so that's the thing right she doesn't fix racism she doesn't end this literal genocide like she doesn't she can't she's one person like the shows one of the show's main themes is like what can you do on your own and the reality is not much, and so like holistically, there is a lot I should like about eighty six as the as the Glory of Chats resident like military fiction like glutton. <laughs> I like a lot of the things eighty six does. The problem is that I also don't like a lot of the things <laughs> eighty six does. Like, I just think that like, and a lot of this is centered on Lena, the main character. Is that yeah. I don't think like because she is meant to be the like. She's white guilt personified, right? Yep. Like, but the problem is that, like, she never really goes beyond that. Like, it's one of those things in fiction of, like, the author who is God of the narrative can tell us that this character's intentions are good and sincere, right? The author could say, no, 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 I mean it. This character definitely is 100% sincere about their intentions. But if it doesn't show in the work itself it's kind of hard to swallow. Yep. Like, the show makes takes endless, like, pains to, like, ins- insist to you that, like, oh, Lena really does care about the 86ers, that she really legitimately is invested in their well-being, but it never results in anything, like, really uh, physical or tangible until, like, the penultimate episode. And so, like, that moment, which should be this heroic moment where she finally manages to, like get the 86ers some, like, little, like, you know, bit of help, it doesn't feel like they earned it, because she hasn't been doing that this whole season. So this is basically the first time she's actually, like, given the 86ers any, like, tangible physical help, instead of just, you know, like, friendly platitudes and encouragement. So... Right, it's 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 performative, right? Like, they want yeah. to just... The, the, yeah. the important thing to them is making it, making her look good by telling us that she's a good person rather than showing us that she's a good person. And, like, the last couple episodes, I think, are actually a pretty bold directing choice, right? So, after, like, the big heroic battle where Lena is able to help, the 86ers continue on their mission into the heart of Legion territory that is beyond the, uh, the communication range of Lena, right? So it is very much this, like, you know, we're going to no man's land and we're not coming back, you know, so goodbye, and so the last two episodes are, like, a weirdly, like, deliberately paced, 
you know, journey of these people on their last mission to their most assured deaths. And it's a beautifully directed couple of episodes. Like, you know, the, the 86ers are kind of, like, embarking on this journey through, like, the the remnant, the abandoned, like, settlements of mankind, right? These overgrown cities, you know, nature is reclaiming the world. Like, you know, it's... It, it, it's beautiful. It's it's really well done. Like it's 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 a really pretty show, and it's kind of like just them kind of coming to terms with their deaths, right? Like, you know, in this beautiful world that this beautiful but also deeply unjust world they found themselves born in, and I should like it. I I should really like it, <laughs> but because I don't give a shit about any of the characters, it all kind of just falls flat. Yeah. <laughs> Like, there's a really wonderful moment in the penultimate episode where this whole time they've had this, like, AI, like, baggage robot following them around, right? Right, the, it's like the, an AI the carrier control... who's, who's hauling right. the bullets. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's an APC robot, right? It carries the ammo and the supplies, right? And it's kind of implied to have, like, a somewhat, like, you know, self-determined AI, like, thing in it. But, um... This is, like, a really, like, cool way to justify a flashback. Is that suddenly, at the end of the penultimate episode, we kind of get into the... We have a... We we, we go into the mind of the AI baggage robot. <laughs> and it turns out it's been recording the actions of the 86ers this whole time, right? right? And in a weird ways, it is their last testament and will, right? Like, these people, most of them are dead. Nobody will mourn them. There are no gravestones for them. The only being in the world who ever remembered that these people lived are the ones who survived them and this one robot that recorded their lives, you know, and it, like it's this fun montage of like you know them living life, going through you know both the good moments and the bad, right? The hardships, but also like the moments of like kindness and 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 brightness that these people shared with each other, right? The moments that they shared with their friends, and like it's actually a pretty affecting moment because like again, this robot is the only one who will ever remember these people lived, and then like it cuts to the very end where it's revealed that like. The robot is like bleeding out because it has been hit by artillery fire and its memory core is dying. And so, this one thing that mm. remembered these people lived will also like die soon as well. Mm. And so, there will be no one left to remember these people. And like, you know, it's got the thing of like the oil is leaking yeah. out of its robot eye and it looks like it's crying. And oh, wow. It's. <laughs> It's effective. That's it actually lot. works. It actually works surprisingly well, especially for those of us who, you know, are always going to have a soft spot for fun AI buddies. I would say that this baggage bot is probably the fourth best AI buddy of the season. Um, <laughs> There's quite a, there is quite a few of them. There are quite a few. There are quite a few this season. Um, and, again, this should be a magnificent moment. Like, this moment is actually, in terms of its directing and execution, is up there with some of the best stuff Nomad did. The problem is that the billing was bad. It's showing me the lives of these characters I don't care about, that I didn't learn anything about. So, like, all this effort, all this directorial skill, all in the name of, like, just characters I, I don't care about. Yeah. That I can't bring myself to care about, even now. Yeah. Ira, you mentioned... Things you might tweak. Do you have, what would be some suggestions? Just, just like, I think the the ending of like nothing was fundamentally changed except now like we're we have 
somewhat more uh, respect for the plight of the, the soldier and can maybe start working towards helping them w- works fine in a vacuum. It's just like plot details that make it totally fall flat uh, <laughs> regarding like the true nature of the conflict and, and stuff like that. Um, so you guys are talking about the problems here with 86. Do you think this is a question of like the writing or the execution or I guess uh, I'm also a little wary that there's another season and the story's ongoing right. too. I think right? there's the writing. It's mostly the writing. Cause I think the execution was actually pretty strong. Yes. The, uh, the whole way. It's just like the source material is kind of janky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like so, having, having talked to like people who are like fans of the anime, like I've heard a lot of them actually claim that this adaptation is in some ways even superior to the source material. So like, you know, if this is already better than the thing it's based on, then... Right. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is that the original light novel was written as to be a standalone for a contest, where one of the rules was it had to be a standalone, and then it got popular, so they did more stuff. Which is always a winning combination. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say it can't be done, but I no, mean... No, of course. Uh, and it's just a lot of the stuff that I would have cut to make the season season one a like better story in my opinion is stuff that is like more twists to add depth to to a sequel so it should have been more standalone that's what i'm saying uh more more fat to be trimmed yeah yeah Yeah. I, i will say this is like the weird take i arrived at the more i talked about 86 is that I would love the hell out of the 86 that is a video game. Because, right, like, it made yeah. me realize, oh, like, what is the core thing that keeps, like, annoying me about 86 is that its cast is so, like, distinctly underdeveloped. And, like, but then I thought, well, then how come I like Valkyria Chronicles so much? It's not like the characters there are that much deeper, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you spend a lot more time with them, right? Like, even though these characters are basically just, like, stock anime archetypes, you spend, like... 40 hours with these guys so like you know it's like okay you're like the germaphobe girl but you know what you're my germaphobe girl with a machine gun <laughs> so yep. you know like yeah you have you have time to endear yourself to yeah, them before exactly. they get thrown into the uh right the, the meat grinder whereas like 86 is just like i mean i think it's a good thing that it is so like committed to like killing off so many members of its cast but also like we know them so little that it doesn't have much of an emotional impact. So, like, I do think, yeah. ironically, in a lot of ways, the story of 86, I feel like is almost better suited to, like, a video game than an anime. Yeah. yeah. I just got the impression from the first, like, two episodes or however many I watched that the writer didn't really have a great plan and was just kind of using these yeah interesting themes as set dressing and more or less than he actually had a plan of what he wanted to say with it, you know. Right. But it's it's again, it's always disappointing when something's not just outright bad and has interesting things and has a lot of potential. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And they doesn't quite hit the mark. But, um Yeah. All right. Let's move along and talk about 
Odd Taxi. Now oh yeah, this, let's yeah. go. What this is the, show. What is this show? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> well, it's well as Dobu so helpfully explained. Odd Taxi is the plan to uh, steal the uh, the ten billion yen. Yes, uh, we we got the we got the name drop in there. For such sure. a good title drop. I fucking <laughs> lost it. Uh, uh, what a yeah. Uh, again, Peter, as someone who has not had an opportunity to talk about this yet, and you are watching this, right? Odd t- odd yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, um, funny enough, I, I watched episode one, uh, like when it came out, and then left it for like a month or so, and then, um, <laughs> and then, uh, Yuri was like, "Oh, you, this is actually really good," and then I just binge watched it. <laughs> Um, so, quite, uh, quite a quite a ride it takes you on from the oh, first yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I... um... Sorry, go on. Oh no, no, you go ahead, Peter. Oh, I, I was just thinking. Um, like the, the most recent episode had, said... but the one thing I, I you've probably said this on the podcast before. Um, but um, the one thing I really love about Odd Taxi, um, all the way through to the most recent episode, is how everything is tying together and like things that mm-hmm. seem completely irrelevant in like episode one shows up in like episode oh, yeah. 12 um right like a, cer- like a certain eraser for example. <laughs> oh it's so well done right like it's it's i'll really point out sudden... we, we did call the eraser right yes yes yeah i, I, I did so i i, I want to say uh just for the record that i was one of the people who early on was like do you know what ditch is in Japanese? It's Dobu. So like right. Ditch 11, like <laughs> I just want to say I I had called that from very mm-hmm. early on. You but, did the um, t- t- detective work on that one. Uh but I will say yes, that that speaks to the grander like appeal of Odd Taxi, which is like so many of these elements that initially don't seem that important. Like it is that fun thing of like the really fun aspect of a mystery is like the moment you see something that triggers a latent part of your memory, you instantly realize, oh, this is where it's coming into play. <laughs> it's right. like you realize it like one second before right. they officially what, like, reveal it. Exactly, right. exactly, right? It's yeah. it's really effectively done. And that last, the latest episode, which, you know, because unfortunately because of the timing of our podcast, uh, we will not... Yeah, we I forgot to mention that. This is to... not actually over. There's one episode. Well, no. as of recording, I think by the time this comes out. By the time this podcast out, but... is out, you will all have seen the last episode of Odd Taxi. But right now, we are in the dark, which is a shame. I really want to. I would love to speak to this show uh, by the with it with its finale. But I think we can still speak to just the really fantastic ride this show has taken us on. Um, I, yeah. I I definitely think that Odd Taxi is definitely one of one of the strongest in a season with a. With many strong contenders, you know, like, like depending on how Odd Taxi ends, right? Like y'all, you all heard me, like how breathless I was about Nomad. If mm-hmm. Odd Taxi ends as well as Nomad, oh, we got ourselves a fight at the end of this. <laughs> year. But um, I yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, I I'm having trouble envisioning. I don't know. I have no so, idea so, what's going to happen. So the in thing the with end Odd Taxi, for, so so the reason why I love Nomad is because it stuck the landing of its thesis, right? So the thing with Odd Taxi that I need for it to stick the landing is, admittedly, a little bit shakier, right? Because it is this grand mystery narrative, right? And so I think much of Odd Taxi is going to hinge on how satisfying the answers are to that mystery, and. I think that for the law, the, the the for the most part, they've actually done a pretty good job of wrapping up most of them. 
the problem is like or not the problem but like the the thing that i think we are all still like speculating about is like who killed yuki mitsuya <laughs> how will otokawa get out of his current situation and like what is going to happen to these people right like there are so many like fa- like unknown factors here and like I'm very curious if they will be able to answer all of them in a satisfying manner. You know, it's we also uh, have the we also have the question of uh, the doctor's been investigating Odakawa's right, background. Yes. Um, There's still something going on with him that we're not being told yet. Yeah, right. But but yeah, I, I think like you know, it, it's it, it's it, not so much like specific moments, but I think like the really strong thing about Odd Tax is just like how well they have managed to write all of these characters like as their own very distinct individuals like you know i mean there there are lots of good moments right of course like you know the confrontation with tanaka gacha gamer in the parking lot or like uh sekiguchi's reaction when uh, yano is <clears throat> so fucking has been so Incensed, clowned on by right, dobu yeah. by dobu's plot that yano stops rapping it's... Can, can i can i point out real quick okay. i was a little disappointed in how after building up yano to be like such this this like intimidating villain or whatever it, it was a, i was disappointed how easily he got uh fooled by that scheme but. <laughs> i i actually kind of like it because in a lot of ways right like yano is consistently portrayed as sort of a new money gangster right like, yeah he, like he is he's you know he's he's not your old man's thug right and he is he is he is constantly compared to dobu it's like ah dobu's old school he's a thug with a gun but like Dobu is super cunning, right? Like, like Dobu is actually like really is, is like pretty fucking canny. Um, the to 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 quote uh to, to quote something <laughs> from the franchise Warhammer 40k. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> go, go ahead. Sometimes one can be brutally cunning, but one can also be cunningly brutal. And I think in a lot of ways that describes Yano and Dobu. Like, they okay. are, like, as much as they insist that they are different types of gangsters, they are kind of cut from the same cloth. But, like, whether the cunning part or the brutal part is more, like, prominent is kind of what differs for those two, right? Like, Yano is very much, like, new money gangster, this kind of snide, you know, millennial, like, caricature. But, like, he's also the dude who helps dispose of Yuki Mitsuya's body. Right. Like he yeah. he is not, he he is the one who makes Kakihana call his mom while he's kidnapped. Like he right. is a pretty cruel individual. And then Dobu, on the other hand, like very much like I think Dobu purposely leans into the like dumb thug like stereotype, right? Like it, it almost feels like an affectation, right? Like oh, I'm just a big dumb gangster who throws his fists. But like the reveal about him being Ditch Eleven, the reveal that he's the one who ran the scam. Uh, on on ta- uh, on uh, uh on on Gacha Gamer like all those years ago with the eraser, he's yeah. a pretty like savvy dude like underneath like the 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 thuggish exterior. Right. Um, they they almost flipped the script a little bit with them in the the last yeah. the last episode where right Yano is the one even though Yano isn't necessarily the one physically beating up people his henchmen are like just you know like they beat up uh. One of the cop brothers, I can't remember their names. Right. Daimon. And, Daimon. And uh and Dobu is more the one that actually has a plan here. But yeah. uh Yeah. Um There's one thing I did notice, and I'm one like I'm I I wanna I wanna just say it now, just in case it comes up when we when we watch it tomorrow. 
that bit about that they made a real point of pointing out that um, the um, uh, the guy with the gun, um, uh, gotcha gamer guy, uh, yeah, uh, Hadj <laughs> Hadjima, um, the gun was should have been out of bullets. So where's he getting bullets from? Well, yeah, that's earlier what... earlier on. So uh... so actually, so that's the thing I actually really liked about that moment is. Yeah. Uh, so, so me and Iro actually kind of saw this coming, which is why it was extremely satisfying. Because, like, Iro and I knew from the beginning of that scene that Dobu was going to get shot. Because Dobu made... And, and this is the fun thing about a mystery, right? It is also when a character makes a fatal miscalculation. Right. And that no, is they, Dobu, definitely, they definitely uh, telegraphed that one. Right, and, 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 and uh, uh, maybe even Peter has followed for this, is that that's not Gacha Gamer shooting Dobu at the warehouse. That's 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 one of the Daimon brothers. Oh. Uh, if you go back, it's a different gun being fired. Like mm -hmm. it, it, and it the, had, like the one quick shot of the gun. Right. It is a different type of revolver than the one that the Gacha gamer has. Hmm. And so, but that's a thing. Dobu thinks that's the Gacha gamer, right? So that is why Dobu is allowed uh, th allows himself to be so confident because There's, he's like, yeah. You fired six shots, kid. I know how many bullets. There's that also a right? line earlier in this latest episode, like at the precinct or whatever, where two guys are talking about how yeah they like, mentioned that he how lost one his gun one or... of them's like lost lost their gun or is like filing paperwork for why they discharged their weapon or so like right yeah yeah <laughs> so the implication is that like and I think by this point we could confirm it is little Daimon that little Daimon is like actually like sincere about his weird justice like craziness and he is the one who took a shot at dobu at the warehouse upon hearing from uh, Otokawa that dobu is a villain of justice <laughs> and so that's a thing right like dobu makes that fatal miscalculation right he goes in there so confident because he thinks he is so self-assured that that gun is empty when when like again, this is like why Ear and I were like fucking like jumping out of our seats because we knew that gun's not empty. He's only fired five shots, and that is what leads to like that great sense of dread that is mounting, right? Because as with the eraser and Otokawa and the stuff about the phone and all the stuff, right? Like like, Gacha Gamer is growing increasingly deranged with every single reveal, and he is like getting closer and closer to pulling the trigger, right? And the constant refrain is like. <laughs> Oh god, who is he going to shoot with this last bullet? Dobu or Otokawa? And the moment Dobu steps up and is like, fucking shoot me, kid, you can't, you, I, I know you're bluffing, and then immediately gets shot, is, is like, it's so, it's so satisfying because right. you can see it coming to, from To me it was away. like the eraser falls out of Otokawa's pocket, and you spend uh, two seconds going, oh fuck, oh fuck. Uh, <laughs> and, right. then, and then Dobu, who just doesn't give a shit, is like, I thought I, that used to be mine. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, like oh my god! That, the, the fun thing about the scene, right, is you're watching a car crash in slow motion. <laughs> yeah. Right, Dobu, I mean they have no idea. Dobu digs that, his own grave. Right, <laughs> I mean yeah, they have they would have no way of knowing what that eraser means. Right, right. right. I mean, well, that's the fun right, thing. Right, exactly. It's like, like that's the thing. Like Otokawa is like completely perturbed by what is going on because he doesn't know why Tanaka is trying to kill him. Right, he's just like. Like, he gets out of a taxi, and he's just like, uh... Sorry I, I almost hit you, You're right, I guess. I'm really sorry. I have no idea about, what you're talking about, dude, I, but... I have no idea why this has got you mad enough to point a gun at me, but... <laughs> it's, 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 it's a really... 
like the way the characters have been defined up till now and so the ways in which they interact with each other is so is so satisfying when they like clash with each other uh and, and like man fucking props to Otokawa right cause like Again, Otokawa didn't plan this, right? He plants right. the tracker in Dobu's van because, like, he just needs some kind of wild card to disrupt Dobu. He's not even sure if it'll work, right? right? Like, he, he just doesn't... knows Dobu wants the gun back. Yeah, and, and it's yeah, like... I kind of, I kind of like that. His plan just went out the window, like, and yeah, kind of been figuring it out as they go now because we they made like the previous episodes when they were when they were writing it out like it's like okay well i guess we're just this is what we're doing now and then very quickly that got derailed and you know oh, yeah. but uh but yeah i think the i i think the the characters are kind of the strong point here cuz like i appreciate the um i don't know if i would say depth but there is some like good and bad in like every character right oh like, totally right there's like... They're, they're, they have, they, yeah, I'll, I'll say it. They have some depth to them. In the, Otokawa's in that talking to leaving that dude to bleed out in the pavement. Otokawa right. explicitly leaves Dobu to bleed out. <laughs> like, it's, that is not the most cold-blooded thing you've seen in this, this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, we got a second chance for final predictions here, so I didn't yeah. think we would have an opportunity. So does anybody want to make any other uh, wild uh, predictions of what's going to happen in the last episode? Like what's up with Otakawa? What's uh you know I'm, who killed? Uh, I can't remember her name right Yuki now. Mitsuya. But the, yes, like, like that. Like, that is the thing we haven't talked about actually. Is that that is the episode that has aired since we last podcasted? Is uh, the reveal of like Yuki Mitsuya's fate, right? That she is the per she is the body that was fished up in the in the right, harbor. Yes, that uh, she was murdered under you know like fucking some real weird circumstances, right? Like, we, we get that... We sort of get a... We, we sort of get that Gacha Gamer episode, but for Nikaido, the main uh, the main idol. Mm-hmm. Right. And, like... I'm really curious where that's gonna go, right? Because, like... What, what, like are the, a, what are the odds that she did actually kill her? I don't think she did. At least, we have to assume that her flashback is being told... Right. Uh, in good sincerely. Faith, like, yeah. In right. good faith. Then we have to assume that she did not actually uh, uh, kill her. But Yamamoto, the manager, what was he doing there so late at night, right? Like, right, and he immediately asked, did you kill her? Right, and he immediately has a plan to deal with it. Um, yeah, only call I, a guy. Yeah, he's got Yano on speed dial. Right. right. I'm also not entirely willing to write out the replacement idol yet either. The the, the fourth that they bring in to replace Yuki. Hmm. Like, uh, uh, by the way, I also want to point out, I also called that back in episode two or three yep, when yep, I noticed that... They had different eye colors, um, but uh, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna go as far as say fried chicken cat is the killer, but like, <laughs> she seemed awfully ready to replace Yuki sight unseen. She she does like, say she would do anything at some she point. Put right? the, like, ca- she put the phone in on Kawa's cab. Forgot right. the dude. And so because we don't have and again that and I'm not saying her putting the phone in the cab means she's the killer, but it does mean that she is not a character who is entirely forthright with us yet. Right. And in a murder mystery, any characters whose morals are still an unknown factor, <laughs> yes, can be a suspect, right? So yeah, I'm I'm not saying she's the killer, but if that's the reveal, I'm ready for it. Like I could see that being um uh, the yeah, I th- I think that's more likely than uh, Nikaido, but she did also say she was ready to kill her. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? So I mean, that's the funny about Nikaido's character that I really like is that. 
she basically feels as guilty as if she had actually killed Yuki because right. the intent right. was there. She just didn't carry out the action. And right. so yeah. there's a there's a fun dynamic there. Um, it's I'm really looking forward. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to how this all uh, plays out. I uh, the only prediction I think I have is that based on that preview and Otakawa's fear of drowning. Otakawa totally drives that taxi into the ocean. Oh, right? yeah. Like, that is, like, what's going on there. And, like, as he's drowning, he has his flashback that explains everything. Right. All right. But, but I well, don't know. Uh, one, one point, last... Uh, one la- sorry, yeah. Yeah, go, no, go ahead, G. One last shout-out, uh, because I have to. Uh, so, uh, apparently, to, uh, to uh, promote... Um, Odd Taxi, uh, in addition to the soundtrack, they're releasing two other albums uh, that are supposed to be in-universe. One is, 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 is released by, is supposed to be Mystery Kiss's debut album, uh-huh, so it uh-huh. will be actually sung by the in-universe idols. The other is Yano raps. Is Yano's mixtape. All right. <laughs> okay, so I don't think we talked about this on air, but I, 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 I was not impressed with Yano's rapping in the show. But once you listen to the dude who But when you him, hear him on an actual track, because they yeah. put out like that one little promo thing where he's yeah. like that little video where he's like sitting in the chair by the fireplace yeah. rapping yeah. and it's like, okay, yeah, this is like a he, this this guy is actually pretty good. He it can just, actually go. Yeah. Uh when, when artist, you get a beat under him. Yeah, the, the artist uh, who voices Yano is known as Meteor. Uh, I've I've listened to his albums since then. He's he's decent. He's decent. He's actually pretty good. But the thing I actually want to point out that is extremely funny to me. Is that uh so uh Yano's album? I'm just gonna throw these into the Discord, so that's not gonna help people listening. Uh, so Yano's mixtape uh is called 2019, and uh it is explicitly a reference to uh one of my favorite mixtapes, which is Joey Badass's 1999. Uh, which <laughs> I don't I don't get to talk about I don't get to talk about hip hop often in in this podcast. So I, oh, I love when I love up. when anime does uh, this. Yes, it's extremely when they co opted an actual. Uh... Yeah. It's very good. Hell also, player. as an aside, Jell, I know you are kind of an, a boomer when it comes to your taste in hip hop. Yes. So I would actually say you might want to check out Joey Badass's 1999. It was so it was recorded in 2012, but it is explicitly like styled like like the uh, 90s. Yeah, like there's 90s style hip hop. So, there's some uh, new guys out there I like, but they're yeah, usually would, emulating 90s. So. Right, so I, I would I would I would I would recommend you give 1999 a listen if you have right. time. I especially recommend the song uh, Hard Knocks, I think it's called. Right, we I'll need to move on. Out. We need to move on. I just I um, had to give a shout out, man. How often do I get to talk about hip hop in, in in this podcast? Surprisingly often. Also Fair. also um <laughs> Taxi did put the uh the gacha game, the the zoo game up on yes, their you website can, you or can something. Roll for your SSR Dodo. I did get my ssr dodo because that's how my gotcha luck works i just want to tell everybody that um all right well it's in uh we'll see where the hand of fate takes us on that last episode and uh hopefully we get a good conclusion all right let's talk about godzilla singular point unfortunately i did not have time to watch more of this Mm. i did want to but it's been a busy two weeks for me um but it's done now it is over all right. Jet Jaguar, the people's hero, has... Oh, we have another people's hero. That's right. Oh, yeah. The... <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you about so, the Battle so of Jet Jaguar. Like, Jet Jaguar This, this show has the so number one AI buddy. I might... So, maybe. If we're talking about in terms of scale of what they accomplished, uh, 
Jet Jaguar died so that our dimension may survive. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, basically, to reach out real quickly, I'm going to cut out a lot of the techno babble, but long story short, Godzilla has been evolving throughout the whole show because of archetype, because of the red dust that has been, like, terraforming uh-huh. the dimension. Um, and it's all kind of coming to a head in, like, what is known as the capital C catastrophe that will, like irreversibly destroy this dimension uh uh you know uh yep the the sort of like the 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 back of the box talking point is that singular points take on the kaiju is basically what if the kaiju were a math problem like what if what if the existential threat they represented to our our, to our universe to our very laws of physics like right right exactly and so the catastrophe is coming to a head. Everything's going bad. Like the sky and the ocean are blood red. The world is like very much like on the verge of like irreversible destruction. Mm-hmm. And um, the key to saving it all is a uh, a code. There is a code that is written in the depths of uh, the notes of Ashihara, a scientist who originally discovered Godzilla right. and the singular points. So, so we kind of have two groups. Of one is the guys. Uh, with Jet Jaguar trying to do something in Tokyo, uh, and while the other is the scientist girl going to like science lab to try and calculate the uh, the the math to fix the catastrophe to prevent the catastrophe. Right, and the implication this whole time is that time in this version of its sci-fi is in some ways a closed loop. Right, that an altered like an altered past. Like, 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 an altered present means that the past has already been changed. Basically, if time travel exists, then time travel has already occurred, no matter where in the timeline you are. Right. And so, the discovery is that the whole time, uh, May is the name of the scientist girl. She has been in, uh, she has been texting, uh, the, uh, um, Yu Arakawa, the, the main character of the other side of things with Jet Jaguar. They've been texting each other this whole time, trying to figure out the solution to the catastrophe. Right. And it turns out that in their text messages is the code. The code has been laced into their text messages. Not intentionally, but more like because this conversation will always happen, somehow Ashihara, who used the power of, like... To calculate the future or whatever, like... To calculate the future has figured out that in this conversation is a way to embed the code. Right. It's like they find his notes and it's like, oh, it's a series of dates and times, and those dates and times are every, like, text back and forth between them and including ones that have not yet happened and so yes. like wait oh the so like the final text i'll be gay i'm getting it like four days from now uh like we just have to wait and that that'll be the key to stopping the catastrophe right and <laughs> okay it's yeah. really yeah and, and so <laughs> the escalation reaches the point where the problem then becomes oh the code is not the text will not come in time the catastrophe is happening we cannot stop it, right? Like, the text just will not, like... Go through or whatever, Will yeah. not go through. And this whole time, by the way, uh, we have upgraded Jet Jaguar to uh-huh. uh, Jet Jaguar PP, uh, because Jet Jaguar has uh, merged its consciousness with the Paro AI that, uh, oh, that Paro Arakawa two, yeah. has developed. Well, no, 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 Paro 2 is not merged yet. That's right, not, you're not right. Yet. Not yet. So, so... Uh, right, what happens is they're... they're driving and jet jaguar is like shutting down for update and they're like what update <laughs> wouldn't write right. an update and it turns out 
that Jet Jaguar has been upgraded because it is beginning to receive parts of this code. From the future. <laughs> because it turns out that Jet Jaguar is the medium in which this code will be communicated to save this dimension. That, that Jet Jaguar <laughs> is the physical embodiment of that code. And so we, we receive Jet Jaguar Invincible, who has been given the quote-unquote invincibility program, whose only parameter is develop your AI in whatever means necessary in order to save the universe. And But right. the code is incomplete, right? Because Whoever wrote this must have really loved Jet Jaguar. <laughs> It's it's great. It's great. And so so yeah, so this whole time, uh, to give some context, uh, May and you have both been accompanied by a copy of the Pero AI. Uh, uh use is the original. Uh, May's is one she downloaded off of his GitHub, basically. And that is known as Pero Two. <laughs> yes. And uh, I think 2, I think that's in the first episode or two that happened. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. so Pero yeah. Two is kind of tasked with um Going into the like sort of like dimensional supercomputer that Ashihara created, the singular and, point, like, the, the the titular singular point to try to like find the code in it that will allow oh, us to save the universe. Some super hacking. Yes, basically. But again, the realization is there's not enough time. So what Pero Two decides to do is use what is available of the code to send itself far enough back in time. Mm-hmm. to have enough time to finish completing the code. Oh, and God. what this essentially does is this completes the time loop because what happens is that Pero 2 merges with Pero 1 inside <laughs> of Jet Jaguar <laughs> right. to create the okay. progeny that is known as Jet Jaguar PP, who is the embodiment of hundreds or thousands or implied to be even millions of time cycles repeated right. over and over again until Jet Jaguar is advanced enough to harness the power of archetype to complete the Jet Jaguar invincibility program to save the universe, <laughs> which culminates in Jet Jaguar using the power of archetype to utilize Jet Jaguar's original titular power to grow large so jet jaguar grows to the size of godzilla drop and kicks drop godzilla. kicks godzilla to save the universe uh jet jaguar yep wow defeats godzilla canonically he's more powerful than godzilla yes jet jaguar then using the power of the orthogonal diagonalizer the technology derived <laughs> by ashihara from studying archetype to neutralize archetype in our dimension sacrifices himself by basically like holding down godzilla and letting jet jaguar lets himself take on the full brunt of the atomic breath to to trigger the orthogonal diagonalizer thus saving the universe at the expense of jet jaguar's life <laughs> jet, jet, jet jaguar died for our sins yes quite literally <laughs> fucking i i cannot get over fucking jet jaguar's sacrifice like we all talk about fucking vivi and matsumoto out here fucking jet jaguar like fucking also becomes 2d animated in the finale is <laughs> like and it's still the shitty Jet Jaguar from episode one. It still looks like that Jet Jaguar. It's just it's now like a hundred feet tall. But he's like fucking grappling with Godzilla. He's holding it back. Like half of his face is burnt off from the uh-huh. fight. And he just kind of like slowly turns to you, Arakawa. And he's just like, you know, he's just like, Arigato, you, Arakawa. Thank you for giving me life. Sayonara. <laughs> and fucking, oh man. It's like, it fucked me up so good. Like... <laughs> He says that, wow. and then he is obliterated by the atomic breath. But in doing so, the universe is saved. I, I don't know how to follow Very that silly. up. Yep. 
Uh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, singular point was all right. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of tech battle, but yeah. <laughs> go ahead. That is the thing. So, like at the end of the day, I, I really love singular point. I think. If you if you put a gun to my head, it is probably in a sort of distant number four or five spot for me of this season, but I also think that it largely manages to achieve like the scope of its ambitions in a way that is satisfying. That I walk away from it mostly happy with what I got. Like, I mean, would this be number one for you in a, in another season? It could be. It could, yeah, be. It could in be in a different season. This could be my number one. Um, like. And I'm not just saying that because of Jet Jaguar, but also maybe a little bit because of Jet Jaguar. Like, <laughs> like, look, if you are going to watch Godzilla for the kaiju battles, this is not that show. Right. It really isn't. But if you are, if, if, the, if the part of Godzilla you like is the part of Godzilla that has always been about the existentialist fear of, like, unchecked science monstrosity, this is right. your Godzilla. Right. Like, this show is all about the implications of... Kaiju or if you just like that and, like, theme in general. I mean, yeah, yeah, Godzilla like, is attached to it or not. Yeah, like, this is very much a science thriller, not a a, a standard kaiju uh, sort of... Uh, um, Action thing. Yeah. I will say, there's a stinger at the end of the credits <laughs> in which it reveals that Professor Ashihara... Still alive For some somehow. reason, is still alive after a hundred years. Hmm. And... The real singular point, the real motivation behind the mastery of archetype and the singular point was so that he could build Mecha Godzilla. <laughs> and the final oh, shot that's is a... showing the prototype Mecha Godzilla being developed. That's a that's a good drop. It's really good. So is season two going to be uh, Jet Jaguar versus Mecha Godzilla? That might be it. That or, might be where they're going. Uh, well, well Jet, Jet Jaguar is dead now, so he well, died this, for our yes, sins. Yes, he died but, for our uh, sins, but like Jesus, Jet Jaguar <laughs> will return. Yes. Um, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's right. really good. Like Again, you have to be okay with the techno babble. It is very heavy. This story was written by, my understanding is, a former like PhD like physicist. accredited physicist. Yeah. So like... It is very like up its own ass about the techno babble, right. but I think that techno babble generally serves a narrative purpose, and so as a result, like I mostly come away from Godzilla Singular Point uh, really pleased with what we got. All right, well, you can officially watch that on Netflix in like six months or something. So hmm. I, yeah. I think it might actually be out now. Like, oh, they, I, they... I, I I heard like I heard something about like I think Singular Point's already out on Netflix. Okay. Maybe they're speeding things up. So I'm checking. Uh, yeah, looks like it is. Yeah. So uh, yeah, All right, go out now. We can we can say legally go check out uh, Godzilla Singular Point. It's uh, it's really Pretty fun. Good. Jet Jaguar uh, is the goat of all time. Of every... <laughs> yes, and as Iro said, Jet Jaguar is now canonically one of the individuals in the in the Toho Kaiju verse who has canonically defeated Godzilla in battle. That's quite a claim. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, all right. Let's let's talk about uh Dinazenon. Yes, time for the other oh, is, savior. Uh, it could would, would Goldburn count as an AI? So I th- I think something I think Goldburn is the third best AI buddy of the season. <laughs> okay. But we're we're going to count him though as an AI. Sure. Okay. Robot Dragon. Wait, who is number 1 then? It's Jet Jaguar. Jet, oh. Jet Jaguar's one, Matsumoto's two. Okay. Goldbird is three. Uh, the baggage robot is four. Yeah. 
Fido. Okay. 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 All right. So yeah, Dinazenon, uh, pretty good show. Um, yeah. I think, just as big picture before we get into details, I feel like the ending kind of exposed the the weakness we were talking about with the overall meta plot not really being important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. I I did not feel like the final battle really had a lot of weight to it. Um, but the final battle also <clears throat> didn't need to have a lot of weight to it, if that made I sense, think... because there's so many, like, we were, we were so, and I think, I think that, I think this was intentional that, like, they really wanted the focus to be on the characters resolving their, right, and, and I think, I personal so here... battles yes. more and, so and, than fighting the kaiju, but, and yeah. here's the thing where I actually think that still works out, because, like, as, as I often say about the mecha genre, that at its best, Robot fights drive human drama, which in turn drive more robot fights. Rinse and repeat, continue to escalate. This is what Mecha does at its best. And I actually do think that... I would actually say that, yes. Yeah, so, so Dinozenon is a weird one for me because, like, so much of my perception of it is now altered by the news that we will be getting a third follow-up to the SSSS right. series, right? Right. And, uh... But, but I do think the fight itself works because, as always in the mecha genre, the fights are often meant to be more an embodiment of, like, the character's ideals and, you know, those ideals coming into conflict with each other, right? Like, the yeah. whole point of that final fight is that every member of Dinazenon has kind of reached a level of self-actualization that gives them the confidence to move forward with their lives, whereas all of the members of the kaiju eugenicists are still lost to their old baggage, right? They all, they can't move on right mm-hmm. like like mujina's mujina finds like worth only in her kaiju battling and without that she's left aimless you know juga still can't get over um uh, uh, um fucking galma galma's betrayal right like like you know um fuck uh, uh, fuck it's been it's been a season move season it's it's been like two weeks for context since we watched the finale but you know season is like adamant that kaiju represent ultimate freedom right like the the battle at the end of dinazenon is sort of the classic like hedonism versus stoicism conflict right like season embodies hedonism right the idea that like like kaiju allow us to not be concerned with petty things like morality or societal constraints with kaiju we could be truly free whereas like you know uh you may you know or uh, yomogi's argument of course is stoicism right the idea that like you know we are all a part of society and like you know what what makes society worth defending are the people we spend it with right that we we, we share it with you right. know that is why mm-hmm. the kite that is why the mech combines right like <laughs> the mech is an analogy for society right like the mech can only combine and be at its strongest when all Power of its members work. like work together and and have each other's like interests at heart right so right. like right level, even i mean that 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 was like glaringly obvious because yes. they sent, like when they send knight out by himself and he can't do it because right like by himself yeah. he is not sufficient and so like yes on some level is just a robot fighting a, you know, a kaiju, and it looks cool. But also, I do think that, as always, like, I think the thing Akira Amamiya really nails with Dinozenon is that it's all part of the grander tale, right? Like, it is all part of the grander, you know, uh, uh, to- you know, um, mm-hmm. y- you know, toku, like, uh, milieu, right? Like, this all, it-, it is all, it is all toku, right? The fights, the character development, all of this stuff, like, 
you know, it, it is all part of what makes that genre so, like, weirdly compelling and interesting. And I think in that specific regard, I do think that Dino Xenon succeeds. Yeah. Where I do think that Dino Xenon maybe stumbles is in aspects of the meta plot, which, again, I am not one of those lore guys. Right? I am not the guy here saying, oh, like, Dino Xenon sucks because it didn't ask, answer all my world-building questions. Right. But I do yeah, think and I'm, I'm not maybe, saying that either, but, yeah. Right, but I would agree that it maybe leaves a little too much on the table by the end like i i think that's that's just that's just the reality of how many episodes they had to work with but like you I, know it's what I, it's it's how i felt in the penultimate episode where i was like i don't think dinosaur can answer all of our questions and yeah i don't think that's yeah. and i necessarily I, uh, sorry you you go ahead i think the for me the the biggest problem with like the meta plot being weak is the 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 eugenicists are not great antagonists like no and so the the reveal being that they were the only antagonists is a little like right it felt like there needed to be something else driving them besides you know the the petty things that they end up this, kind of revealing this, this at show, the end this show desperately needed its alexis carib character right, right? Like, there had to there had to be something else there that was was driving them that felt kind of weak to me and, which and, and which that's... made which made like i like i i totally agree with what you said of kind of how their their issues were paralleling you know the the, mm-hmm. the good guys but it's it's there but it's kind of weak like right i mean th- yeah th- th- they they could have driven that home more in some yeah. capacity and, and so that's why i think that like for the context of the final conflict i think I think the character, like the the contrast between the heroes and villains, is strong enough. But I do think for the story as a whole, I I do think that like now that we have the news about there being a third follow up, suddenly Dinazenon feels like a bit of an uncomfortable middle point, if that makes sense, right? Because we don't find out who spread the kaiju seeds in episode one. Like if you, if you go back to episode one, there's that shot of the hand like dropping the kaiju seeds into the world we don't know who that is and like in the world where dino xenon is the last of the sssss series (laughs) that's a very disappointing finale right that's a very weird thing to not address but in the world where like amamiya can be like no 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 no, don't worry there's a third thing coming up we'll answer that then i'm willing to give them more rope but it's still doesn't help me feel it, it doesn't stop me from feeling a little let down by like the weird place dinosaur ends up in as a result mm. um but i i think also like the characters are so strong in dinosaur yeah like, so yeah, p- putting us putting aside the slight criticism we have like the show's really good and yeah it's, it's, it's still on fantastic. the strength it's on yeah. the strength of the characters how they're developed, how their development is presented. Um, it's, it's some of the best, it, and it's, it's fascinating to me that this is, it's some of like the best character work we've seen in a long time in an anime. And it's happening within the context of a silly super robot show. Right. But, but I mean, that's always been my opinion is like, yeah. you know, like, you know, people talk about, Oh, mecha anime, just a commercial for toys. But I think like just because <laughs> something, just because something is a commercial product does not mean it isn't capable of depth and nuance and, and, and all of these things that Dinosaur excels at so much. Right. Like uh, uh, in, in the same hand, like uh, in the same world in which Dinosaur is getting like six toy releases, <laughs> from, like good smile. 
It right. could also be this show about Yumei and Yomagi's relationship and how they complement each other and how they heal together in a very like satisfying, heartwarming way, right? Like, yeah, yeah. This show can do both, and that is what I think makes Amamiya such an impressive director, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I I was so impressed with the directing too, even more so than in Gridman. I feel like they they went even further into the you know the long slow pauses and the subtleties and like the channeling that old Gynax uh right spirit of like you know yeah we'll stand here and just have the characters look at each other for an uncomfortable long amount of time (laughs) uh you know I love that kind of thing and um it's a I think you know. Always, I think, I think, I think. Generally, I come across. I, 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 I arrive at the conclusion that I think Dinosiana would have benefited from a thirteenth episode. But like, I think that with the time that they did have, I was largely satisfied with where all the characters ended up. Right? Like, yeah. obviously, Yume and Yomogi get the lion's share of the screen time. But like, I think there's like something really beautiful about like Gamma's like finale, where like, yeah. If you want to look at things quote unquote objectively. Gamma basically fails every objective he sets out to do in that show, right? Like, mm-hmm. he, he wants to find the princess, and, you know, from the very beginning, it is a doomed prospect, right? But, like, there's a beauty in, like, the theme of his character of, like... The side effect, we, though, was... Right, like, just because you <laughs> fail in your initial mission does not mean those efforts were in vain, right? It does not mean that these connections you made were not fruitless, right? It does not mean that the fact that, like, Gamma may have failed to find the woman he swore to protect... But in doing so, he gave hope to these other individuals he crossed paths with, right? He gave light to these other scarred souls that are shining like stars. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And and I think there's something really wonderful about that. Like, for a character who was initially portrayed as, ah, the wacky, trigger-looking character, I was really, like, impressed with Murgaba's character. Yeah, I I really did love um, how... We talked about this previously. He he had an emotional maturity to him that I, I was not expecting. <laughs> totally, yeah. Like, you know, I thought he was just going to be the hot-blooded idiot, and he he actually had some like, um, some depth to him, for yeah, lack of he, a better term. He, he had a lot of but, emotional maturity for a dude who's talking about, you know, there's three things you got to uphold. You know, <laughs> right, right. And, so, uh, yeah. and of course, like, I think I, I, I really liked Koyomi's story a lot, too. Like, I, I think that... Yeah, I, Ko- Koyomi and Chisei were kind of neat, because that was kind of... That's kind of a... Those are kind of... They were kind of approaching story angles that we don't see as often. Right. With the, with that. Um, even their relationship where, you know... And, and Koyomi being, you know, an actual, like, real adult. Um, yeah. <laughs> was all, all just different you know, angles that we don't see all the time. Whereas I feel like with, with uh, Yumogi and Yume, that's kind of a little more conventional. Sure, for sure. Although they handled that, they handled their bits superbly as well. Like, oh, I yeah. mean, it's not yeah, like yeah. They, the, the execution was there, but the concept, I mean, you know, the, the yeah, I mean, it was, I think, I think the thing more... that like, you could say as a whole about like Dynasty Nuts cast is like, they're all in a better place, but the work isn't done yet. Right? right. Like Koyomi's got a job, you know, he's getting his life back together, but also like at the end of the day, he is still kind of that guy. He's always going to be that guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Chisei is more confident about who she is, but also like, it's like, she's more confident about being a neat, which is like a weird, like <laughs> conclusion yeah. to arrive at. But, she's probably you know. going to run into the same 
it, it kind of feels like she's following in Koyumi's footsteps, but she's just younger, so she's earlier, yeah, in, the, yeah. And then, earlier like, in the process. Right, and like even with Yume and Yomugi, right? It's like at the end of that episode, right? They're like, where's Yume? And Yume's like, she is kind of that character who's like has that anxiety and antisocial behavior, right? She's still, like, even after right. all of these efforts, she's still like, I don't want to deal with people. Like, right. can I just not? And, and Yomugi is going to be the one who's like, it's not Sometimes, just like, hey, depression and anxiety solved. Woo. No, it's, but like, it's right. like, no, it's like, we can't solve it, but I'll be there for you now. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, and that's, it's really, it's really wonderfully done, you know? And I, like, I think, it, I think that's the, and again, this is, you know, I've talked about this before. That's, that's my, ultimately my favorite thing is just how positive the show is. Um, You know, the, the characters, there's there's no there's really no conflict between the, the the main team like they all they're all like supportive and empathetic and really care about each other and that's actually I feel like that's actually fairly rare. Um, I think so. Yeah. It, yeah. It, like usually there'll be some kind of like you know the Red Ranger and the Blue Ranger arguing <laughs> or whatever, and we don't really get any of that. You know they're always you know they they start out as kind of friendly acquaintances and then their bond only gets stronger over time there's yeah. not you know the conflict is external from that group and just that again the depiction of, depictions of human empathy are are much uh appreciated by me these days but yeah, um i i i think for me that was kind of my that that kind of being the heart of the series was kind of my favorite thing about it putting everything else aside oh yeah totally i think that like you know, it's it's the thing. Like, I mean, Dinazenon, you know, with along with Nomad, right, kind of felt like the most unnecessary sequel, right? Like, right. Hey, we're gonna do more Gridman, and I think again, like like Nomad, I think Dinazenon largely manages to justify a return to that universe. And I like. I mean, Dinazenon is really almost becomes its entirely own standalone story, other than like it is, Knight, yeah, other I than Knight yeah, showing up as like a cool right and it's side like, bit. I think the, the the biggest takeaway I have from Dinazenon in a weird ways is like I'm totally like I'm willing to tr- like again I'm still a little skeptical of them like announcing a third work and then suddenly like retroactively Dinazenon becomes this weird middle stepping point but like right. I trust Amamiya so much as a director now at like, this point yeah he I I am willing to like see where he wants to take this story right yeah he we got proven that like we got to put Amamiya up there with anybody really at this he point he is of, like yeah, <laughs> directors I, to, I think, I, to I watch. think at this point he is like like not even just a trigger I think in the anime industry in general Amamiya is like one yeah of the that, yeah that's what I mean like. And any other anime director, he's right up there right now of yeah, people like to watch. The, the, the man, the man is four for four, like <laughs> Inferno Cop, Ninja Slayer, Ridman, Dinazenon. Man doesn't miss. He has oh, not man. missed once. Uh-huh. Like I'm still, he... it's still the most impressive thing to me that the the man behind that Inferno Cop can also make something like Dinazenon. But I, yes. I, that is the thing that like, excites me about Amamiya, right? Is that like, you know. A director like Amaishi, I love, but also a director like Amaishi, I know what he does, right? I know yes. what he's good at, and so when he does it, I like it because I know that is the, it's the one song he knows, and he can play it better than anyone, right? Yeah. You know, c- conversely, right? A director like say, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, you know, um, I don't know, in in Ikahara, right? You know what he's good at. You know what he does. Yeah. Right. The the uh, the like, uh, the quote unquote aut- auteurs that are yeah. you know. But you know. Amamiya 
is the dude who can write this beautiful story about characters like healing in the company of each other but also this is the same <laughs> show in which the dude the robot fires the missiles uh-huh, and then fun. runs up with the missiles yes yeah to punch with the missiles yes <laughs> Like this is the Get you a director dude. who can do both. Right? right, this is the same director who wrote I am also immune to bullets. <laughs> like how many how many directors are capable of shifting tones like that? Like yeah. I don't know. And so that's that's what's super exciting. He's like um, is like Amamiya's next thing can be Gridman cross Dinazeon. Or his next thing could be fucking Inferno Cop 3. I don't care. Either way, I'm excited for it. Because he has shown that like he is so competent at so many different like tones. And, and genres that like I'm I'm ready to follow this man to the ends of the earth now yeah yeah he's de- he's definitely up there on the list of uh, people to watch for sure now we'll just have to figure out what the new one what the SSSS is gonna stand for <laughs> so before the reveal of all of this uh, my galaxy brain is oh one of the third one is SSSSS five S's SSSS Sigma Right, just like right. complete Gridman the Sigma, circle. Yeah. yeah, complete the circle here. Just to, uh, but but it seems like the reveal is it's going to be Gridman cross Dino Xenon, so some kind of like crossover movie oh. or something. I think. Hmm, so mm, like, mm, I I'm not willing to throw it out entirely. No, no, like, I, I I'm I'm willing to give them some benefit of the doubt, but that that's one of the least. Uh, likely to succeed directions that I could well, think like, of. Like the post-show crossover movie? Right. Yeah, like... But, um, but also, isn't that toku in and of itself? Yeah, right? is yeah it, it is, but... Could it not the be common ra- The yearly Kamen Rider Super Sentai team movie. Right, where you gotta yeah, exactly. Bring, right. like, bring them together. Alright. Again, you're right. Premise alone, I'm not sold on it, but if Amamiya is the one handling it, yeah. then I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm... Because I, I think, like... I think so. Here's here's the thing I feel. I think that Dinazenon cast is mostly done. Like th- those characters have achieved their goals, and so I think they are largely done. Like as as characters. True. But, like they they that, took Dinazenon and Goldburn out of their world. Right with them. Right. They they went back right. to the digital world with Dinazenon. So I think Dinazenon will play a part, and I wouldn't be surprised to say maybe Yomoki comes back because he still has his like Kaiju Eugenesis plotline kind of right. lingering in the back. But like, I, I think like if they are going to do a crossover in the future, I would like them to move forward with both of those like stories. Right. Like like if you're going to make this like a crossover, then make it confidently be a post dinazenon post gridman story right? right like like let us see how those characters have gone forward since then don't just return back to the same tropes right yeah right. but uh you know I-, I guess we'll see yeah all right Great show. well we're we're pretty much at the end of the list um is there anything else we want to mention i know peter you were talking about uh shadow's house uh yeah i'm uh um, how how long can I have? As long as you want. <laughs> I'll try to keep it about five minutes. This, this was this was the one yeah, with uh, it was like the people had like shadow faces and then like they get. I, I'm trying to remember. Um. So in it, I, I guess brief. Some, I, I get the impression basically nobody's watching this show. Like even on Twitter, like nobody talks about it. So it's a bit weird. Right. But basically, uh, basically, there's this like castle of nobles of some sort uh, and they are 
just they are silhouettes and they have these quote-unquote living dolls that look like humans uh, to act as their faces I think like literally it's their face um, okay and um, like proxy body things or uh, uh, just the face uh, the, it's it, it gets complicated like you start to get introduced to the character of um, to, to this uh, uh, Emilico, um, who is your, your your main character, living doll, and she is serving her mistress, Kate, and um, they generally get along and whatever, and they, they've got to essentially get to know each other and whatever before the the um, the, the grand reveal. The um, uh, the word I can't remember, um, but essentially they. Um, Become full nobles when they reach a certain age and do, go do they like thing. do they like combine with with each other or something? Well, you find out that basically like very towards the end in the, the oh. like, that's that's where <laughs> yeah um uh, like spoilers like uh, oh, we have a permanent spoilers flag on the glory yeah channel, so. uh, like especially for wrap up podcasts yeah the um so like um you meet some of the other people in in the the house of the shadows family. And they are walking alongside their living doll, who who is their face. And you'd see some who are like fully in tune in that they are com- like moving exactly together and mimicking uh, their um, their expressions and stuff. But the shadow is the one who speaks, not the not the face. Um, mm. And and that carries on. And eventually, there's some weird stuff going on in that. Um, when a member of the Shadows family, one of the silhouettes, uh, gets upset or is unhappy about something, they start emitting soot. Like they 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 are, they are emitting soot like generally. That, like these dolls have to clean constantly, and um, then if enough soot gathers, the soot comes alive, and the they've got to comes a new shadow or uh, no no they, it comes alive and they've got to try and get rid of it because. Um, Otherwise, they they could essentially take over these living dolls or whatever, and it it starts building and building until like towards the end, it's revealed that the shadow family or whatever are just like these beings that are start off as just like a tiny little like creature type thing. It's just a bundle of, of soot that they then put into uh, essentially shape like a living doll that they've kidnapped from the village that they've got under control and then so they're so they're trying they're trying to like make bodies that they can drive into normal society sort of yeah but they it seems that they're more than happy to just live in this house and be nobles and have this um this entire village under their control because they 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 like one of the like last week's episode, they they show some of the no some of the shadows revealing their faces. Like they it, you didn't see their faces before, and then it, the soot essentially comes down and reveals their face. So they're actually merged into the same being. This happened like last uh, last week. Uh, okay. Um, okay. And then they go down to the village in this train, and then um, they meet a bunch of people, and then they force someone to drink some coffee-like thing. 
and that uh-huh. makes them and that makes them forget who they are and they become these or they are they are essentially brainwashed to think they're living dolls born to serve the the shadows so the dolls were people yeah the dolls were just people I, it was pretty okay. obvious from the okay. start but um so um is this like a horror thing or what's what genre would you say i, this is I would a... say it's a mystery like it's very okay. much like making you ask a lot of questions about what's going on and and things very slowly build but it is very slow it, it, it almost like a it's almost like a, a slice of life but there's also stuff happening <laughs> okay like like slice of life but there's like something going on in the background you're trying to figure out yeah i mean sometimes it comes to the forefront but like not for very long and you sort of think well that was a bit weird um and i do really appreciate that with the exception of the two main characters of emilico and kate everyone's face and their shadow are voiced by the same person huh right so you've you've got the the face uh, called lou who is the face for the uh the, the shadow louise and then you've got Ricky, who is the face for Patrick, and so on. And each pair are voiced by the same person, um, uh, with the exception of Emilico and Kate, because they're so they're, they they act so different, and they're voiced by the same different people and named differently. Like tradition is that the name of the face that is given by the master is similar to the sh- the shadows, but they. Uh, uh, so are, yeah. So are these two like are the are the main ones like different somehow, or they're like they're not going to become a Gestalbine or something? I, I it, well, Kate seems to be fighting against the the whole like the Kim way the way is. things the way things are, and uh, oh, okay. uh, and Emilico is just sort of taking long for the ride, sort of. <laughs> Um, uh, Sounds like a very unique concept. It is. It is, and like the the the, um, the it was based. It's based off a of manga. Um, there's a, a duo did it called uh, Somato, um, okay. who used to be in the uh, manga studio for Golgo Thirteen. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and they, uh, seems like a departure. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it, it doesn't seem like they've done a huge like this is the first anime that's been attributed to them, but they've they've done a few other bits of manga like they've done a uh, uh, they were part of a Madoka Magica anthology and an Idolmaster anthology. Um, right. But they also have a, 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 a manga called Kuro, which I heard about recently, um, which is sort of about uh, someone living alone in a huge mansion with this cat that it has like. A more for a face, and and that one's also slice of life. But there's right, like the the lineage is there. For yeah, this type of they they story. like uh, people living isolated in a mansion uh, stories. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and the village around them is like going completely batshit. Whereas uh, um, with the people inside the mansion are just sort of living normally and slowly learning about what's going on everywhere else. So did did this end, the 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 anime end? Um, Shadow's House has one episode left uh, ne- next okay. next Saturday. Um, how, how how are you feeling about the uh, the ending? Um, I it feels like there there's not gonna be a. The, I think the is the manga still going? Um, like oh, it, it, they're it, just gonna have to find a stopping point. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that uh, they did consult with the mangaka to like greatest self-contained 
anime oh, though. Yeah. Anime only ending. Right. Because mm. those always uh, go swimmingly. <laughs> 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 so yeah, last um like um last week and this week are sort of a the, getting up to a finale of like someone being kidnapped and it needs being resolved. Um but uh, some last minute drama. Yeah, um but I certainly don't think that it's gonna have uh resolve everything. Okay. Alright. Would you sure. would you is this is this a uh recommend what people watch it uh uh I I would say so. I I know. Um, uh, oh, who was it who wrote on it on the blog? Because uh, like there was um, Collins. Uh, no, it was because um, I I wrote the main article. Uh, Artemis. It was Artemis. Artemis. Yeah. Um, Artemis um, uh, uh, has a different opinion, particularly about uh, Emilico. Uh, just not wearing a lot for a bit in the first, mm. in the early episodes um um but it was it... so there, there's some uh okay there's some I, mean, uh, I, I think it's fair to like caveats sure. yeah like there, there's always going to be that discourse about any anime right like people are going to come to them for different things or you know have their different like breaking points right so, right yeah your tolerance but, may but, vary but it does, for that it kind does of thing. sound like based on what you've talked about that like you think it is at least something that is worth like checking out, especially if you are interested in this kind of subject matter and, and genre. Yeah, like um, I, I, I think for, for the, the this is like the, the, they're not naked. I should point out it is like Victorian undergarments and stuff, and whether you see that as like right. underwear or whether you just see it as oh, it's just what they're wearing or whatever, and it gets a bit weird. But like that is just like early episode. Like it certainly picks up quite quickly after that. Right. Sure. Hey, I mean, if it's creepy slice of life or something like that, I could be into that. But uh... I think like that's it, kind of the, the the crazy thing about this season, right? Is like we have we have our like four or five darlings, right? The ones we're like, and there's still probably t- more good shows out there that we right, didn't watch. Right, right. We're like, we're yeah. like, what are you talking, you fool? It's about these four shows, right? But it's like, again, I am not going to speak for these people. I'm not going to speak for their taste because I don't share their taste. But like, you know, I have heard people saying. You know, for the, the, the same thing as us is, oh man, this season is so great. And then the shows they list are like Pretty Boy Detective and Zombieland Saga. And right. like, I don't agree with that take, but like, the fact of the matter is that this this season is so like... There's a variety of things, things yeah. too. Yeah. Like, you know, there are people out there who's like, man, this season is amazing because of... Slime uh, season uh, to- two or whatever. Tokyo right? Revengers and Thunderbolt Fantasy season three, right? Like it's it's. I think I think it speaks to like like. I, I mean, I do have like, respect for Thunderbolt Fantasy. But, sure, um. I, I would love to watch Thunderbolt <laughs> Fantasy someday. I I have seen the gifts. I think that is a show I need to watch. When he pulls the Nendoroid but, out, is <laughs> it's very good. But, yes, but anyways, but it's just like this is like an all rounder season, right? Like yeah. in, in terms of like, I think I think it's just like there's a probably lot of something very, for everybody. Very strong works for. For almost anyone, right? Like, of course, for us, right, in our tastes, it's like, you know, Odd Taxi and Dino Xenon and all that stuff. But, but, but I do think that, like, yeah, it, this is like, like, like if I if I were to like, you know, if I were to like let go of my own personal biases, like, I think there's probably at least ten shows this season that I would classify as like notable, which right. is like, 
quite impressive for a season like right. uh, of, of We didn't even get to talk Sh- about shows that people are actually going to remember a year right. from now. I guess the right. thing, right, as Iro just said, we haven't even talked about To Your Eternity because it hasn't ended yet. Yes. Like, that's that's something we yet. can actually put off for a while. Uh. Yeah, thank God. Uh, again, <laughs> right, like, I, I, I don't want to dog on that show too much, but I really think it says something that, like, that show, which we went in saying... Oh, this is the one, man. Oh, this is the one, right? Like, To Your Eternity is going to be the one. And, like, and I can't it's say... It's not even top five, like, like doesn't even remember. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's even top five of this season. Like, yeah. It's... Like, yep. Well, we'll... we'll... I, I, I would say Jet Jaguar is a more compelling <laughs> character than the immortal ageless orb known as Fushi. Uh... We've had quite a few uh, immortal uh, characters, yeah, for uh... sure, but... Um, Alright. All right. All well... Right. One one last thing, real quick. Oh boy! Should I put a gun to all your head. What's your favorite show? Uh. <laughs> Nomad. I I think. I think Nomad? you put it again. It could be recency bias. Like you know, yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched the end of Odd Taxi yet, and Dinosaur was two weeks ago. But I think. I think Nomad ends so strongly, and it commits so much to its like thematic core, and like never deviates from it. That like. I am just filled with such a deep respect for what the show accomplished. Right. Tyro. Uh, I might do Odd Taxi. Okay. For how, Pete. like, well the, uh, the, the web is constructed. It's, it's very good. Um, Peter? Uh, as much as I want to pick Shadow's House just to be different, um, I am leaning towards maybe Vivi or, or, Odd taxi, maybe. Um, it's it's a, it's tough, <laughs> tough call. Yeah, it's, it's a tough call. Yeah. It's a close call. race. It's a, it is an unbelievably close race this season. Yeah, but but, but know, gun to head, I'd I'd say uh, I'd say Vivi. Okay. You know what? I think if you put a gun to my head, I might also say Vivi. Ooh. All right. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like you need to watch Nomad. Oh, dang. <laughs> it, yeah. Well, of course. Yes, I have not watched that. <laughs> and uh, you know, I've I've said my opinion of season one of Megalobox before, yeah. but um, yeah, based on based no on what chance. I've seen, but, uh, I might I might have to. It's it's a real close call between Vivian probably Dinazenon for me. But. Fair, I think again, like it, it is by the thinnest of margins. You could right? flip a coin for me on that yeah. one. Um, all right, all right. Well, that's gonna do it then. Uh, to do our uh, housekeeping, uh. Check us out at theglorioblog.com. I'm pretty sure Zig is going to have a lengthy wrap-up post for Dinazenon. Uh, it's out already, out. I believe. It, uh, came, it oh, came out as we were uh, podcasting. As we were recording. Okay, so that's already out. You can check that out. Of course, we're going to have our first looks of the, the new season coming up. Oh, boy. <laughs> before we get to next episode, so keep an eye out for those. The anime, po- the anime apocalypse is once again uh, upon us. Um, but you know what? Let's let's give a proper send off to spring twenty twenty one. You know, I I think it was good. It was a good one. I will I will miss it. Yeah. Yes. As it's, uh, Absolutely. But hey, if next season is as bad as we think it is, <laughs> I'll, I'll finally have some free time on uh, to do other things. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um. Yep. So check us out theglorioblog dot com. Follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. Um. You can follow the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher. Uh, we're also on YouTube. You know, like, comment, subscribe. Tell us how you feel, how you really feel about these shows. 
uh, or maybe something we missed, some other show we just didn't get to watch. Um, hey, Peter, where can we find your radio show? Oh, if you go to um, uh, nekodefu.radio, uh, all the info is there. Awesome. So go check that out as well. You know, tell, tell your friends, tell your enemies, <laughs> and uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Thanks, everyone.